Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real phony gon' recognize, still, still recognize with. Like we always do with this time, I go for mine, I get to shine. Now throw your hands up in the sky. Welcome, welcome everybody to the KIRP Radio Show. Keeping it real with Pudgy Man, and I'm your host, Pudgy. You guys know what time it is. Every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is what we do. And uh, since we've been doing this, we are the number one black conservative talk radio show online in the southeastern United States. Can we get a round of applause for that right there? We're doing big things, folks, man. Our numbers are better than 5.3 million on our way to 5.4 million, million, excuse me. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's uh, This show, to me, is a reflection. I, I mean, I'm just going to jump right into it in case, you know, in case y'all wondering how it goes down. But this show is a reflection of uh, what, I, what I consider the American dream, what I consider 
um, go hard. What I consider doing your thing. You know, th- this show is an idea that myself and a friend and I, my, a friend of mine had, and uh, it just it, it it took off. You know, it took off from just a, a conversation in the car to saying, you know what, I'm going to dedicate some time to doing this because at at the moment, um, I don't know if you guys know the story, but it was it was Kevin Daniels and I. You know, that's my brother. Shout out to Kevin Daniels, president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation out here. That's my brother. And uh we were actually in the in the car uh leaving a um let's just call it a meeting. We were leaving a meeting and we had a mentee of both of ours in the car, more so Kevin and myself, but um we had a mentee in the car and we just started talking about the things that we do and the direction that we were headed in. And uh Kevin Kevin, you you guys know, I, I don't know if you guys know him, Google him, check him out. And don't pay attention to the negative stuff because a lot of people get at my brother, but you know what? He's a stand up guy. I think anybody who knows him can vouch for that. I definitely vouch for him. As the mob say he, he's in the book. So um I vouch for him. But anyway, Kevin he's already out there doing things and, and I was doing things on a on a whole different spectrum. You know, I was still involved in music and writing lyrics and you know, traveling the country too, and he was traveling the country on this side. And you know, at times we'd meet each other coming back from different places and doing different things. So what happened? You know, we got together and, and shout out to my brother Buck also. You know, Kevin, myself, Buck, we all got together and we started talking about things that we desired, things that we wanted to do, and uh, things that we thought we could do. You know, a, a lot of the times people sit around and they talk about ideas that they have and they share the ideas. And and here's the crazy part. Uh, about how people treat you. Here's a crazy part about how your friends react and a crazy part about how your family and associates react to your success. Because I'll tell people quick, KRP Radio is nowhere near where I desire to be. <clears throat> but I feel like it's a beacon of truth. So however God sets forth for this show to be, you know, whatever the plan is, that's what it's going to be. That's how we're going to go, and uh, that's what we're going to go forth with. But the crazy part of how people, you know, get down with you is, you can have an idea for something, and when you go to set out to do it, you throw your idea out there. And, and that's not something that I recommend. I do it because I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. Sometimes you need to keep your ideas to yourself and gather your thoughts. You know, you know, go through the preliminaries of, of uh, your business or whatever your idea is and, and sit down and gather yourself and write out a plan. Get your business plan together. Write out a plan. Meet with a, a business advisor or whatever you need to do, but get your plan together. And before you start telling people about it, have it in your heart to do. Know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happens, you're still going to go forth with this plan. That you're not going to stop. You're going to keep moving it. You're going to keep going and, and, and let nobody stop you. And, and before you set out to do any of this, before you set out to do any of this, excuse me, make sure you pray to God and ask God, is, is this in your will? Is this something that I need to do? Is this something that you see fit for me to do? And, and shout out to everybody out there, because if this is your first time listening to the show, we believe in Jesus on this side. You can believe in what you want to believe in. We still love you. We're still family, and it's all good. But we talk a lot about Christ on this show. So, hey, if this is not for you, hey, you know, maybe you maybe you don't want to tune in. <clears throat> But moving right along, so, you know, b- before you set out to do these ideas, make sure you pray about it and, and, you know, you get that blessing in your heart besides your physical. You make sure God leads you in the way that he feels that you need to go before you set out to do all things, because I, I believe with God all things are possible. But anyway, moving right along. So 
you know, the, the strange thing about ideas that you have and when you start out to, set, to do a business and the way people react is that what I've commonly seen is at the beginning stages of you doing whatever you're doing, right, a lot of people will say, good luck, man. Let me know if you need something. Here's an idea. Hey, here's a phone number. You know, people would just throw themselves into the middle of your fire for figure of speech. They'll throw themselves into you, and they're willing to give you anything in the world that you need to make this stuff happen. You get all the all the remarks and all the God bless you's in the world, and I, w- I wish you well. And, you know, and then you're on your way, man. You're enthused, and you feel good. You feel great about your idea. You know, people standing behind you, so you're like, you know what? I can do this. Yeah, baby. Let's get it. Let's do it. And and, and you're excited about it. But the strange thing is in America that I've seen is that, and this is not for all people, but the strange thing that I see is that when you go hard, and, and I and I say go hard about every day. I be tell my football team, that's part of our chant, go hard. Once you go hard at it and you're not gonna be you're not gonna submit to anything, you've already prayed and God has got it in your heart to do what you gotta do. Keep him first. Handle your business. Be responsible. You're spending your money. You're making proper decisions. You got your business plan together, and you just feel great about your idea. So you're putting your all into it. And the strange thing is, time goes. But to me, anything that God ordains that you go hard at is not easy. Let me just throw that side note in there. It's not easy. It doesn't. Most of those things don't happen overnight. But anyway, once you get to the point that you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm making some headway now. I'm, I'm a little bit successful. You know, I'm doing something uh, uh, right. Or if it's a business for profit, okay, I'm finally, I'm in the black. I'm finally making a profit. I'm out of the red. I'm in the black. I'm finally making a profit. I'm finally doing well. And then once you put that out there, because you got to remember now, when you set out to have, do this idea, you put that out there first and let people know, hey, I'm doing this partly for uh, some help spiritually, you know, emotionally, partly for some push, partly for some, hey, do well, we got your back, but also partly because you wanted the support of the people that you told. So that's why you put it out there. That's why you let everybody know, hey, I'm doing this. I got this business going. Or like I said, I got this radio show going. And, you, hey, I want y'all to support me, man. And if I can throw you some radio ads out there for the low, that means cheap for people who don't know. But uh, if I can throw you some ads out there and, and maybe help you out or, hey, maybe you can uh, bring your own show on my network or, you know, things like that. Th- those are just some of the things that I threw out there. But you people who own your own businesses, you know what I'm talking about. So you throw the idea out there in the hopes that you'll get some help in form of emotional support, help in form of promotional push, help in form of maybe prayers or, you know, help in, in, in form of just a good word. But you also throw it out there in form of a marketing idea, in form, in form of a brand, in form of a promotion. So you throw that out there and then all of a sudden. After all this work that you put in and all those prayers and times you wanted to break down, but you, you kept going and you had all these other things going on and you've been broken, you borrowed and you've been loaned and, you know, everything. After all this stuff is gone and you're finally to the point where you can say, okay, I'm successful. And you put that out there to people that I appreciate it, all the support and all the love. 
even if they gave you none, but you you're appreciative because you you you've seen your hard work come one three sixty and it's whole now. So you, you're looking back in retrospect and you're going, man, I put in a lot of work, but guess what? I'm here now. So once you put all that out there, the amazing thing that I see is that people start saying, you don't deserve it. <laughs> people start saying, you forgot where you came from. Like that matters. People start saying, you're not worthy of it and that bothers me man it's amazing to me that the same people who showed you all the love and support on your way and I mind you not even at the top yet and I'm not even talking about me because I'm so far from I'm still at the bottom every dime that we spend in KRP is either advertisement or coming out of my and my family's pocket. My wife, my kids, my son and his mom too. Coming out of my family's pocket. So I'm not even talking about myself, but I see so many times when people set out to have these businesses and they, and they these businesses and they set out with these ideas and they say, "You know what? I'm going to go for this." And then when they finally get to the point where they say, "Hey, I'm successful," and for God's sakes, don't let, let don't let any monetary reports come out saying that, "Hey, you made a million dollars and you came from the bottom." So now all of a sudden, you're the worst person in the world. You don't deserve it. You don't give away enough. Oh my God! How many times do I hear that? You don't give away enough, and that's just amazing to me. How people really react to another person's success. I would never get that. I'll never I'll never get that in my life. I'll never understand that. I don't even know why people do that. And 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 I've oftentimes I sat down and I try to figure out, you know, what is it? You know, why do why do people react that way? If I was my grandma, I'd just say it's the devil. <laughs> but I'm a little different today than that. And there, there was a time and a place for that, but it's a little different today. So what is it actually? And I know, folks, I know. I know a lot of people are probably sitting around listening to the show going, hey, this this wasn't the topic that I signed up for. But guess what? This is the KIRP radio show. And if a topic is on my heart, I'm going to keep it real about it. So that's what we'll be talking about right just this minute. We're going to get on to the topics here in a second. I got a couple guests that are going to stop in this evening. They're going to talk about a few things along with me. And uh, you guys know what the topics are for this evening. Now, you know, we're talking about 2016. And uh, what do you expect from any president? Whether it's Mitt Romney, whether it's President Obama, no matter who it is, what do you expect from any president in 2016 going forward? I want to know what your stats are. I want to know what you feel like is success. I want to know what you want. What do you ask for? What does this country need? I want to know everything that your heart and desire, everything that's sitting on your hearts and your desires and on your mind and how you feel about what you want for from the president. And I and I know when you, when you ask questions like that, a lot of the times, you know, people don't even understand what the president can actually give them. You know, there's a lot of times people don't even know what the president does. They don't even know what his job is. You know, a lot of the things, I'm always criticizing Barack Obama, but guess what? I criticized George Bush, too. The funny thing is, I didn't leave any friends, I didn't lose any friends behind criticizing George Bush. 
But I'm sure I lost a lot of you guys, maybe some of you that's listening, but I lost a lot of you guys behind criticizing Barack Obama. Why is that? I wonder what that is. I even criticized Bill Clinton. But I wasn't as vocal back then because I had this this underlying reliance, or I'm sorry, this underlying allegiance to the Democratic Party. Because just like I said at the beginning of the show, I had an issue with the rich. (laughs) I had an issue with successful people because I didn't understand it. Now, I was never, I've always been open-minded. Don't get it twisted. I was never like some of this stuff that I hear. I was never to the point of some of these some of these people that just, just, just totally off the hinges. I was never at that point. But I had a problem with people who were wealthy. I felt like they weren't doing enough. They weren't giving enough. And I still feel like, personally, personally speaking, I still feel like if you are better off, even if it's physically, not even monetarily, just physically better off than other people, those people who aren't as well as you, whether it's the sick, the broke, the guilty, or what may have you, I still feel like you owe a little bit of more, a little bit more to society than those people who aren't as well off as you are. I'm not talking about your money. I'm not talking about your success, but I'm talking about maybe your ideas. You, 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 Folks, you guys would be surprised how many people are sick mentally. You'll be surprised of how many people don't understand the simple things that you understand. I think I think we have a job, you know, I, I think we have a responsibility to take on a job to teach the remainder of the world, to teach the remainder of society about things that we don't know about. Because we have to change the hearts and the minds of people for the better through God, though. So there's a moral compromise there. But if you don't have it morally, to me, if you don't have it spiritually, there's no way that you can properly help people on a more in a moral compromise. There's no way that you can do it. Not for the betterment of a society. And that's what we have in a whole lot of the leaders that we see today. We have a whole lot of leaders that are successful in many different ways. They're very intellectually uh, gifted, if you will. Some people are, are just plain book smart and they carry that well. I don't knock it either way, but I think a lot of people don't give back what they've gained and what they have to offer to society. But a lot of people do give back, but they use it for wicked ways. And then they get this following, which is a lot of what we see today. A lot of the things that we see, a lot of the followings that we see today are none other than, excuse me, none other than Hollywood, man. It's no different than liking the biggest rap star, the biggest pop star. To keep it funky, I got to keep it 100 with everybody, but a whole lot of the president right now, and Clinton was the same way. It's just a little bit different because Barack Obama's black. You know, y'all know, I don't hold no punches, man. I keep it real, okay? It's a little bit different because Barack Obama's black, but we had the same kind of Hollywood following with Bill Clinton. I remember the first time he jogged his ass, pardon me, he jogged himself into McDonald's to get some fries. That was the cover story across the world. Bill Clinton and his Secret Service pops into McDonald's to get an order of fries. And I knew it it was something wrong with that picture. It was just something wrong with that picture. So just because Bill Clinton goes to McDonald's or went to McDonald's and we went to McDonald's and people that we know go to McDonald's and they waste our money on that bullcrap food, just because we do that, a lot of people will say 
you know what? He's just like me. And it's just not the truth. So when you get that type of following, if you have any moral responsibility, if you have any moral love for people, if you have that moral compromise that I'm talking about, you'll use it for the good. And you wouldn't be out here advocating big business to people. You wouldn't be out here advocating dependency to people. You wouldn't be out here taking advantage of people. But anyway, I know I just went off on the tangent, but shout out to everybody out there listening to the show, man. We didn't, I didn't get a chance to properly warm you guys up. Don't forget, man, we are on the air. You can also catch us on uh, Block Talk Radio. We don't advertise Block Talk Radio enough, and we get a lot of listeners from there. So I got to let you guys know, blocktalkradio.com backslash K-I-R-P radio show. You can also listen to the show on there. Don't forget to listen to the show on the website. That's K-I-R-P radio show.com. We are 5.3. We're better than 5.3 million listeners right now. Maybe that's not the numbers that you're accustomed listening to on the FM radio every day, but you know what? That's something to me because we started this from the bottom. We're on our way and we're moving and we're getting a lot of people on the boat and everybody's rocking with us and we're doing our thing. So we're pedaling on our own, but we get some assistance from you guys for helping us pedal this boat and steer it in the right direction and i definitely appreciate it if you guys are on twitter hit us up on twitter at symbol k-i-r-p radio show you can also hit me up on twitter at symbol nc pudgy also folks don't forget we're on itunes so if you missed any of the shows go back to itunes it's itunes podcast k-i-r-p radio show keyword k-i-r-p one radio two show is three and that's how you can catch us on the krp radio show on a regular basis go back and let, and let me make you mad on some of those old episodes and about some of the things i might have said and some things you don't agree with because guess what we're never going to always agree but you know that's just a part of life and uh if you guys want to call in and listen to the show you don't have to say anything as long as you don't as long as you don't hit number one we'll let you rock so you can just grab your phone dial 619, crazy, 619-638-8559. Hit that number one if you got if you want to make a comment. We'll try to get to you as soon as possible. We only have two hours, and most of the time we get an extra hour of bonus of bonus coverage, and that's what we try to bring implement into the show as well. But uh, hit number one if you got a comment. If you don't, just listen. We won't bother you. We won't click on you. We're not going to ask you to talk or anything like that. So that's, that's your way to listen to the KRP radio show. Don't forget, everybody out there, you are B. IG in my book. Folks, we got to go to a commercial. I'll be right back in just a flash. You're rocking with the number one black conservative radio show, Southeastern United States, baby, and you are B-I-G in our book. This is how we do it. Every Sunday, same place, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We are on the air. We are rocking. I'll be right back after these commercial breaks. I believe you can tell a lot about our governor and lieutenant governor by the way they lead our state. We have great challenges facing us and need strong, courageous, 
visionary leadership to see us through. I'm Dan Forrest, conservative candidate for North Carolina Lieutenant Governor. As an architect, senior partner, and office president of the state's largest design firm, I was accustomed to solving complex problems for my clients. Architects are creative problem solvers, and that's what we need more of in Raleigh. And we need more business leaders, not more politicians. Over the past 10 months, I've visited the majority of the counties in North Carolina multiple times. I've traveled over 80,000 miles, listened to thousands of North Carolinians share their solutions to the challenges we face. Did you know North Carolina ranks 41st in the nation in K-12 education, 36th in graduation rate, 43rd in unemployment, 38th in business tax climate, 42nd in illegal immigration? This is just not acceptable. I believe it's time to look at the failed policies of our current governor and lieutenant governor and demand real leadership for North Carolina. As your next lieutenant governor, I will tackle these issues head on and provide the strong, courageous, visionary leadership needed to lead our state through these challenging times. Over the next few months, I'll be sharing solutions to these challenges, and I hope you will take the time to share them with your friends and family and give me your feedback. I believe we can turn America around, and I believe we should start right here in North Carolina. I'm Dan Forrest, conservative candidate for North Carolina Lieutenant Governor, and I ask for your support. United Way are inspiring kids to get healthy and more active. Join the Play 60 movement. Pledge to Play 60 today at liveunited.org. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sixty thousand North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every one hundred ten children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at 800-442-2762. Again, that's 800-442-2762. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. 
If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today.
K-I-R-P Radio! K-I-R-P Radio! Welcome back, folks, to the K-I-R-P Radio Show. Sorry about the technical difficulties that we just had here. Uh, I guess we had a power surge or something like that, so they got some music on the air for you guys. And uh, hopefully that kept you guys a little bit happy on here. We, um, we're still working through it, folks. So just bear with us as we work through the technical difficulties, and we'll get you guys where we need to go here in just a second. Uh, for all you guys who are just tuning in, you're rocking with the KRP Radio Show. That's krpradioshow.com, 619-638-8559. Our topics for the evening is uh, the 2016 expectations via any president. We want to know exactly how would you feel, no matter who is elected, President Obama reelected, whether it's Mitt Romney, I don't care if it's Newt Gingrich, whoever's president, it doesn't even matter. We just want to know what's your expectations, what's your realistic expectations, what do you really feel like can be accomplished, what would be your, uh, as George Bush said, mission complete, what would what would make you feel like uh, it's been a success, the guy that you voted for did exactly what you asked, and uh, you would appreciate that you're, you you would appreciate your, that you voted for that guy. So that's what we're talking about. We also, in the next segment, we're going to talk about uh, discussing biracial couples and racial woes. And uh, that, that's a serious topic because I, I really don't know the truth of the matter. And we got a guest that's going to call in to help us out with that here in just a few. But I really don't know if it's possible to really open and pour your heart out. Because, I mean, if you if you – you know what? I'll save that for later. I'll save that for later. That's going to be a serious conversation, definitely a serious topic. I want to find out what you guys, how you guys feel about that. Um, our guest on the evening will be Talithia McEachin, uh, calling from Atlanta, Georgia. She's a conservative blogger. She definitely does her thing out here, man. She does a lot. She definitely holds it down. Really appreciate all that she does. And uh, you guys will love her when she comes on the show. She actually wrote a paper, wrote an article uh, on this topic so uh, I'm really curious to hear what she has to say about it. It may shock some of you guys. I don't know. Some of you guys might like it. We'll see what happens. But uh, you're rocking with the number one black conservative radio show, Southeastern United States, baby, with over 5.3 million listeners out there. And that's how we do our thing. Um, moving right along, folks. Just this weekend, well, actually yesterday, I uh, I got to attend a tea party. and. <laughs> I really put it out there to a lot of folks that I was going to this tea party because you all know the stereotypes of the tea party. You guys all know uh, what's been said about them in the media, what's, what what people say about them on a regular basis and what goes on. We all know about how people diss. Let's just say they diss. Let's, we all know how people diss the tea party, which I, I don't get it. I do get it because I know how media perpetuates uh, how people look. I know how I know what the media does to people and make them. Uh, it just paint the media paints any picture that they want to. You know what I mean? So that that's one thing that you know I just wanted to get out there in the open, and that was a reason for me. Actually, I got I got invited to go speak at that tea party, but that's definitely something that I wanted to get out there so I could uh, maybe share my experience with the remainder of the world. So, you know, I got to go to this tea party and uh, I took my family with me because, you know, I, if I really felt like it, and, I, and I, let me be honest, you know, I got to be honest for a second. You, uh, 
I've been to several tea parties before, but I just didn't make it vocal. I mean, some people knew I went. Some people probably figured that I go because of the language that I use and things that I talk about. But I just wanted to let all my blog family know, my Facebook family know, the KRP family know. I just wanted to let everybody know that I was going to this tea party. And I invite anybody. I actually invited anybody to come along with me, you know, share that experience with me. Come with me along and, you know, let me know what you think about it. You know, if you, if if everybody agrees that the Tea Party is so racist, that's one of the words that I hear all the time, the rhetoric that I hear. The Tea Party is racist. The Tea Party was created anti-Barack Obama. Uh, it, it's so much. A tea Party is like a, 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 a hate supremacist group, you know. You, you hear so many things, man, about Tea Parties. And uh, I just felt like that it was my obligation to go out there and and attend this tea party, which I already knew the outcome because, you know, I, I've been to several before, but I just felt like it was important that I go out there and share my experience with you all. And uh, so what I did, I invited uh, a gentleman by the name of Kevin to uh, come in and, and tell us exactly what this tea party was about, uh, why they had this tea party, and, uh, you know, just, just – really break down what the Tea Party represents and actually talk about how the event was yesterday. Let's go to a call uh, out of the 336. There's quite a few of you guys, but the last three digits is uh, 802. You on the air yeah, with Pudgy? Is, Who's this? Hey, this is Kevin Chenault uh, from the uh You on the North air with Carolina Pudgy? Who's this? Coalition. Can you hear me? Okay, maybe maybe we still experience these technical difficulties here. We'll we'll get that figured out in just a second. Caller, hang tight just a second. We'll we'll get you guys on the line here in just a moment. But uh, let me let me tell you guys about this tea party first of all because I, I got to throw this out here. I took my wife and my kids with me. That that should say a lot to you people who think that the tea party are these uh, extremists and and they're just so horrible and. They want to kill black folks, and you know it's a whole it's a whole lot of bull crap out there about the Tea Party, man. But I took my wife and I took my kids out there, four of the kids. Shout out to my son Makai, who's listening to out of Winterville, North Carolina. Makai, I love you, and uh, you know it's you got school tomorrow, so you know you got a little bit more time to listen. And then you know I'll be looking for a good night text on my phone here anyway, and I and I love you. Don't forget that. But anyway, um. Shout out to my son, Makai, and his mom out there who listening in Winterville, North Carolina. But uh, I, I took my wife and all Makai's sister, his sister and brothers, I took them all with me. And um, we all had a beautiful time at this tea party, at this Constitution Day anniversary and tea party. We had a beautiful time out there. Everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean everybody shows love. Everybody shows admiration. It's a beautiful event. It's a beautiful place to go. These folks are out there sharing their common interests. Some people agree about some people agree about the, the political aspect of things. Some people don't. And these folks in the Tea Party don't let that separate them from having a good time. And, and you know, I, to me, if I hear that. You know, there's a, there's a group that has these parades and an organization that has these events all the time. To me, I feel like, you know, we need to go see what this is about. You know, people out there talking about how they hate this and they hate that and the Tea Party's the new KKK and all this stuff. Why not get off your butt and go check one out for yourself if you're not scared? You know, because there's a lot of people that talk real big and they're, they're really scared. 
So they need somebody like me to go out there and report this stuff. I did it with Occupy Wall Street, too, by the way, just in case people, you know, don't believe me. Just in case people are wondering, well, he's talking about the Tea Party, but what about Occupy Wall Street? So what I say about Occupy Wall Street and these two are they are not the same deal. These two are not the same entity. I promise you that the Occupy Wall Street has no identity at all. They have no identity. They have no common goal other than to make a lot of noise. That's it. They talk about the 99%. Man, I don't even get into all of that. But talking about the Tea Party and how beautiful this event was, these people are out there for a few common things, and and that's what they celebrate, man. But mainly, everybody out there loves this country. And if you're in this country, despite all the things and all the problems you might have with it, you should at least be able to get off your butt and show a little bit of love, admiration, and respect. Let's not forget the respect part. A little bit of respect for this country and the brave men and women that fought to keep this country the same and allow us these liberties that we have. Because there's a lot of people out there that talk a lot of noise and ain't doing nothing and won't bust, as my pops say, won't bust now, great. So there's a lot of people out there talking about what the Tea Party is and what the Tea Party doesn't and how the Tea Party responds and the Tea Party hates the president and they're anti-black and they're anti-this. We had a damn ball. We had a great time. We ate some shout-out to Chick-fil-A. Definitely got to give a B.I.G. shout-out to Chick-fil-A. We had some good food. We had some good singing. We had some great speeches. And everything was love, man. Everything was beautiful. People showed a lot of love. We stopped by some booths, man, and we conversated. And we just had a beautiful time. Now, to me, folks, I am black, by the way. I I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. B.I.G. shout out to my people out there in Caldwell County, too, by the way. Shout out to you folks. I see you. But um, I am black, by the way. So if the Tea Party, let, let me get it straight now. Hold on. Let, let me let me get I got to stand up for this. one. Let me get it straight. The Tea Party hates black folks. But they invited a black man like myself to speak. Now, I wasn't the only black person there. But if I was, I wouldn't give a damn. It is what it is. It's not been the first time I've been the only black person in the room before. That doesn't make me uncomfortable because I'm bigger than that. You understand? I understand that life is bigger than that. But I also understand that we have cultural differences. I'll be a fool to say I don't. Come on, everybody. You don't find a black man that talks. You don't find a white guy that talks like me very often. If you do, it's rare. And that's because of our cultural differences. It is what it is. Folks, we got to learn how to get over ourselves, man. We got to learn how to say, hey, there's a black guy right there. Hey, there's a white guy right there. And somebody feelings not get touched by just saying black or white, man, or Puerto Rican or Mexican or Spanish or whatever you want to call it. No, pe- people are so soft today. You can't say a word. You can't call out a race. You can't call a spade a spade, a stone a stone, and a rock a rock because somebody's going to get offended. And it's crazy to me. We got to get over those things. If we want to accomplish anything in life, we definitely got to get over just saying someone is black and someone's white when that someone is black and that someone is white. Come on now. We can do a little bit better than that, I think. But anyway, listen, I went to this tea party, and it was a beautiful thing. Do We got our tech stuff right. All right, folks, hang on just a second. We got to go to a commercial, and we got to get these callers on. We got our technical difficulties fixed. I'm just going to one commercial so I can get my callers on the air. You guys hang on just for one second and listen to this man that you all need to be voting for. Shout out to my homie, my big homie, my homeboy, my man, my H. Coon Boone. I know I just took it back with that one, Dan Forrest. Here's Dan Forrest com- commercial, folks. Listen to it. 
I believe you can tell a lot about our governor and lieutenant governor by the way they lead our state. We have great challenges facing us and need strong, courageous, visionary leadership to see us through. I'm Dan Forrest, conservative candidate for North Carolina Lieutenant Governor. As an architect, senior partner, and office president of the state's largest design firm, I was accustomed to solving complex problems for my clients. Architects are creative problem solvers, and that's what we need more of in Raleigh. And we need more business leaders, not more politicians. Over the past 10 months, I've visited the majority of the counties in North Carolina multiple times, I've traveled over 80,000 miles, listened to thousands of North Carolinians share their solutions to the challenges we face. Did you know North Carolina ranks 41st in the nation in K-12 education, 36th in graduation rate, 43rd in unemployment, 38th in business tax climate, 42nd in illegal immigration. This is just not acceptable. I believe it's time to look at the failed policies of our current governor and lieutenant governor and demand real leadership for North Carolina. As your next lieutenant governor, I will tackle these issues head on and provide the strong, courageous, and visionary leadership needed to lead our state through these challenging times. Over the next few months, I'll be sharing solutions to these challenges and I hope you will take the time to share them with your friends and family and give me your feedback. I believe we can turn America around and I believe we should start right here in North Carolina. I'm Dan Forrest, conservative candidate for North Carolina Lieutenant Governor and I ask for your support. For all your trucking needs, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. That's Allen's Trucking LLC, owner Brian Allen and BA Welding Incorporated. For all your trucking or your welding needs or transportation needs across the country, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Their number is 919-426-5455. Again, 919-426-5455. If you have transportation needs and you need to get your equipment there on time, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. Sixty thousand North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every one hundred ten children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at eight hundred four four two. Two seven six two. Again, that's eight hundred four four two two seven six two. Remember, sixty thousand North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every one hundred ten children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. Radio Show. 
I uh, I don't know what's going on with our technical difficulties, but I'll tell you what we are going to do. We're going to try to bring these folks on right now because we got a lot of people in the queue, and there's a lot of people that want to uh, say something and they want to speak their piece. And I know there's some people out there who want to speak their piece on the Tea Party. Oh, my God. I know they're having a fit out there, and people are itching in their seat, and they can't wait to get on the show and uh, speak their piece. So uh, that's definitely what we want to do. Um, let's go to a caller. Uh, 5802. You are on the air with Pudgy. Who's this? This is Kevin, Pudgy. How you doing? Kevin, what's up, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. How you doing there? You, you already tucked those kids in to bed? And not quite, but I'm having a fit <laughs> about this power surge that we had here on the show. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. Oh. You know, it is what it is, man. We got to work through the kinks, and uh, we got you guys on here now, and that's a beautiful thing. We really appreciate you coming yesterday. You, you really fired up the crowd. You're actually, you were stronger at the tea parties than I hear you on here. You were pretty strong. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I really appreciate that. I, you know, all I can be is a vessel, as, as I said before. You know, I, I just try to do what um what God's will is and say what it is for me to say. Yeah, most people had you there, like, in the top three out of 20 or 25 speakers. They said everybody was talking about who they liked. You know, of course, they liked Jan Morgan from Texas. Oh, yeah. She's a oh, yeah. My wife's up. Ben Smith was real strong, you know, but they said they, that, that your name would come right in there with them. Well, that's a good thing, man. Uh, you know, we we just we got to represent for North Carolina too. Now we got to let Jan and Ben leave and let them know that you know they've been touched too. So I hope that helped everybody as well as myself. And and those were some good speeches that uh that Jan and Ben did too. Really appreciated that. Yes, uh, Mr. Salem Journal had a little piece in it. There was a young uh, black man walking around, maybe in his upper 20s. And uh, I would call him an African-American, but I ran into Timothy Johnson in June of 2010 from the Frederick <laughs> Douglass Foundation. Uh, now, this is my sixth year that I've been teaching at, a, at two schools in Winston-Salem that yeah. are about 98% black. Mm-hmm. And, well, I say they're 98% non-Caucasian because I have a lot of Hispanic uh, children too, and Timothy Johnson begged me, he and Kevin Daniels, to not say African American, <laughs> and I said, "Well, that's education. That's what they tell me to do." And then Timothy, uh, or I should call him uh, Doctor Johnson, he immediately told me his background uh, of uh, 21 years in the military and all the other things he had done, and said he told me he wasn't a hyphenated American. And uh, mm. that, he, that he was full-fledged American, that he had fought for his country and, 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 and so forth. And he asked me my background. I said, well, my mother's family came here one generation ago. He said, well, I'm more American than you. <laughs> and, uh, so so I I just thought I'd throw that out because I know that that's probably on some of your listeners' minds is, is others out there have seeked to define us as racist or whatever, some of us in the Tea Party movement, which is couldn't be further from the truth. We're about liberty. We're about, uh, believe it or not, not like libertarians. We are about not taking Jesus out of anything we do. Uh, mm-hmm. We know our nation was founded as a Christian nation. Wow. So anyway, That's I thought I'd throw that out there, you know, at the beginning here. <laughs> well, you know what? I, you know, with, with all respect to my um, my African heritage, which is obvious, um. I don't consider myself an African American either because uh an African American is someone that's been naturalized and I ain't been naturalized. So uh, Okay. 
You know, it, it I don't is really know that. that. All I know is my grandmother and my grandmother escaped uh, in New York City. Escaped uh, uh, being probably uh, murdered as a Jew in Austria, and my grandfather wow. from Russia. And uh, when people say, "Well, British heritage is what founded our country," nobody in my background is British either. So nobody from my background helped. Were, were in those signers of the Declaration and what have you. So I'm just the same as, as, as so many others. What 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 I found, and this is just in my political uh, life here of being a, a Republican for about 20 years. But I was a Democrat for long before that. All my family, I, I learned that words are important, and lawyers are all over Congress, and and lawyers know words better than English teachers. And when I say that, I mean that whenever they put words in the platforms of these parties. They're important, and when the words in the Republican platform say what they say and the words in the Democrat platform say what they say, mm-hmm. then I look to the, to the ultimate source for me, which is the, the Bible, and the words are, are much more important there. They're, they're inspired from God. So when I read those words in the Bible and they don't go with the words in the Democrat platform, then I can't go with, with the Democrat platform. It has nothing for me to do with... Barack Obama's skin color, his policies have not been good for the economy. But for me personally, it's the social part uh, of it, uh, major. But now the Tea Party movement, I don't define that with just social. You know, they're they're more uh, started out more into fiscal stuff. But a lot of us said we can't worry about the fiscal unless we understand and control the social because the social really affects the fiscal. Absolutely. To me, anyway, uh, I, I, it was it was a great it was a great time yesterday, and I was really glad to meet you. You're, I really didn't even meet you there yesterday. I don't, yeah, I, I did, but then your your wife and kids. I sat with them for a while. Yeah, they are. Uh, they. And really I will tell you that you really did good, didn't you? Yeah, man. I'm 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 known to do <laughs> all right. Beautiful wife and you know? beautiful kids. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> but uh, hey, listen, let me. Let me Kevin, let me let me ask you something, brother. Um, there were a lot of people at the Tea Party and, and a lot of folks that contributed to this. And, you know, why, you know, I had a great time and, and, you know, I enjoyed the speakers and I enjoyed a lot of the folks that were out there. But I really don't know, and, and I'm all about giving people their credit due. That's why I do B.I.G. shout outs on this show. So if you could, if you could take a second, and, and I know this probably wasn't prepared, but if you could take a second and give these folks a shout out, you know, that would be great, man, because I, this was a successful event. I don't know what the agenda was. I don't know what you guys planned in, in terms of uh, committee planning or action planning, but I know it was successful just for me looking uh, at what happened. So if you could take a moment and, you know, give your counterpart some shouts out, and uh, that would be great. Yes, sir. I, I, I would love to. I, I'm going to miss some, of course, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Bennett uh, from Stand Up North Carolina out of Statesville was major instrumental in uh, in putting this together. I think he actually contacted you, and uh, and then uh, Bill Flynn, the guy that ran for Congress, that's on the radio all the time. He we we would yeah. have never done anything without him. He's very 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 instrumental in putting things together for us and speaking. A great constitutional conservative uh, that that wants us to get back to limited government, and uh, and then. Uh, Amos and Joe Elvis, uh, just great patriots up here in Stokes County, and uh, and I could go on and on. I'll, I'll throw something out there to Paul and Wanda Stanley, uh, Judy Rees, 
um, just uh, John Candillo out of Winston-Salem, a big, big help, uh, along with uh, Jim Isley uh, from up in Wilkes County. And uh, I'll keep naming them. Uh, Rex Foster from Davidson from Lexington actually contacted Jan Morgan and been a friend of hers for a while on Facebook and, uh, mm-hmm. and secured her early, well, not early on, but sort of later, and uh, brought that together. And uh, the Stokes Militia, believe it or not, was there, uh, just a, mm-hmm. a group of folks up in Stokes County who uh, who want to, uh, they, they don't, they just want to help protect their communities and uh, keep things at home. They did a great job of, uh, of providing security there and, uh, uh, Americans for Prosperity. We couldn't we couldn't have done it without their their help. We've been making some phone calls to independents uh, in some of our tea parties. A lot of our tea parties. They provided us with a scholarship, and uh, uh, we had a, a, a guy that owns a funeral home, AJ Dowd, who, who got us some insurance. And there's a lot of folks in in uh, mostly three counties, but but really the word was spread. Mark Goswick out at Durham uh, spread the word for us uh, really big, and Kim out there sure. in the Durham area. But anyway, there's there's uh, it's it's really good to see all these patriots come together and uh, uh, and all for a common cause of just celebrating 225 years of the, the freest uh, country on earth, the most prosperous country on earth, and it's the cause of those important words in that document. Well, Don't you see it that way? Heck yeah, I see it that way. That's what I believe, brother. I'm a I'm a fan, man. I'm an advocate of those words. <laughs> I'm an advocate of that document. That that document that's is a we, living that's document. That's why we brought you on. No doubt. Pardon? No, I said that, that, that document. I was saying that document is a living document to me. You know, it's a living yeah. document. And that's right. I'm 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 a, I'm uh Man, I'm, I'm speechless when you sit to think about it because if you if you actually take the time and and read the Constitution, and which you know when you're in school it doesn't affect you the same way. I, I know it didn't me. We had to read it in a class, and I think it was fifth grade, and and it just didn't affect me the way it does now. I think I read it again in 2004, and and I've read it several okay. times since. And and once you really yeah. understand what goes on. And you have your hands in things, and and you're really looking at this nation and you and this world, and you understand the things that are happening around you. It's that more effective. It sticks with you that much more, and you really understand that they were ordained to write this document. This document just wasn't a good idea. This document was something that they were ordained to do. Something that they had no choice but to do. It was God inspired. I agree. Uh, Major, I was going to say Major Dave was really instrumental, as you probably knew in, in that event. And uh, so was uh, always. You can never, never count out Velvet Shelton, V of the T, Linda Dollyhide, uh, just countless others. I, if you don't mind, if I think of others while we're talking, I want to throw their names out there because I no, I don't, I don't I'm mind not, at all. I'm not. I, I like to talk, but I'm not used to talking on the radio. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you you know, if you notice, uh, we. Uh, you know, we had two different prayers yesterday, and, and our songs pretty much all are they're, they're patriotic, but they also honor God. And uh, we we knew early on uh, in this Tea Party movement around the Triad area here that if we did it without including God, like you know some early on Tea Parties might have, we knew that we wouldn't be blessed, and, it, and good things wouldn't happen. 
And uh, so, you know, somebody asked me, the guy asked me yesterday, he was he's talking about somebody had just spoken about Islam and uh, asked me about Islam. And I, they, he quoted me in the paper today, and it really, that was just a very minor thing that we were talking about. But I just said, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we weren't a nation founded on Islam. Uh, and, you know, no nation that Islam has been the prevalent uh, religion has prospered. And, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, there's a reason for that. But anyway, uh, I, I just say that uh, there's a lot of folks that benefit from dividing people, Pudgy, and the people yeah. that benefit from dividing us. Sometimes their narrative is louder and the media puts it out there so that the Tea Party is, is thought of in a bad light. Or they say, oh, wait a minute, if you don't want to compromise, well, compromise what, liberty? Because anywhere that liberty is not, uh, when liberty is tamped down, what happens? Government grows. Government, The growth of government tamps liberty. And we feel like that Barack Obama is doing that. I think Barack Obama may be a good husband and father. I don't know him personally. But I, I applaud that, especially after working with so many children who are fatherless. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I applaud him for the good things he does. You know, But I totally am opposed to anything that's going to grow government and make us more socialistic, which I think that's where he is. You know, uh, I think the Tea Party feels that way too. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the Tea Party feels that way. I ain't speaking for everybody, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I've well, heard a few things. That, you feel that way about I being mean, based on things I've heard. You know, you say everything, and I'm just saying that. I mean, to me, you know, I, like it or not, you, you, you are Tea Party. <laughs> I, I don't disown the Tea Party. No, I, I'm just, well, I'm waiting for the day the Tea Party disown me because I'm known to say some things, brother. And uh, I just I don't bottle cap my message, man. I, I I come from the heart, and you know some things, maybe a lot of things, people who are fiscally conservative won't agree with. But you know everything that I believe derives from God. I I believe that we should be able to help folks who are misfortunate. I think that there's a place for that, but I also think that there's a place for people who are healthy. To if you can't find a job and obtain a job. If you get things from our great society for free, you can contribute to this great society with some physical labor or some sort of labor or some something to make up for what you've been given. Because if you give people things with the mind state of you're rescuing them and you de- you de- it, it creates dependency and subsequently you control those people, you you're at the the head of the table and you tell these people when they can eat, when they can't eat, uh, when they can work, when they can't work, where they live. And and that's my beef with the government altogether. They don't promote independence. They, de- they promote dependence on a large scale. And to me, that's equivalent to slavery. Take it, man. You're, you're just keep going. Don't stop. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I, man, I, I could, I could, I, I really got issues with that, and I don't want heartburn tonight. So that's why we picked two uh, lighter topic shows, and that's why I wanted you on here to actually talk about, you know, how that tea party turned out and what your plans were. You know how beautiful the event was, man, because people just don't really know the truth about the tea party, don't know the truth about people within the tea party. And you know, like I said before, man, media perpetuates BS, and and that's what people see. That's what their job is, and to create divide, and that's what happens. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's what you always have to look for, I guess, is who benefits from doing that sort of thing. And, you know, you can't, you can't preach, in my opinion, you cannot preach poverty. Uh, the Democrat Party, some of the folks up here in Surrey County, are really hard about preaching poverty. I mean, you know, spread the wealth, share the wealth, not individual initiative. You know, where, I mean, I'm a coach for 30 years. You know, you tell people you work hard, you get better, you're going to play yes, something. You're not going to play because of who you are or, or what you look like or whatever. You know, it's about, you know, what you've got inside. And uh, like that's that. where, I think that's where, uh, to me, that's where that, that dependency that you're talking about is, uh, it, it, it doesn't create uh, the inspiring, uh, help me out with the, uh, uh, not the prosperity or, or you know, help wanting our kids. I mean, I know you want your four kids to have it better than you. And I, I oh, feel yeah. that way about my, I want, I want them to be better off than me. And I want us to be uh, about American exceptionalism. I, I really do. I'm not, I don't I think I'm better than somebody from uh, Japan or anywhere else. I just know our form of government, thankfully, that was based on Christianity and based on individual liberty, that our form of government has created the best prosperity around. And, and that's where I think we're exceptional. No doubt. I like that. Listen, Steve, I got uh, my guest on the air, Talithia McEachin, and uh, I'm going to bring her on. You're welcome to stay on with us, brother, if you like. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, I want to shout out to all of those uh, great tea partiers that showed up from all over the place. Michael out at Roanne and uh, just all you guys. Uh, Charlotte T., we saw some of you there. Guy Smith, a uh, great guy down in Cleveland. And uh, just uh, all of us Surrey folks, Stokes, Maria, I mean, uh, Ramona Tim, and John and Marina Bear down in Roland, I could go on and on. And John, uh, Ron Van Landingham and Davidson. Uh, really, it's been what's been so wonderful is meeting all these great folks. CG, uh, Conservatives for Guilford County, came out yeah. yesterday. You know them? Shout out to them folks. That's, that's some of my Lee favorite Hayward people in the world, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm like you, Pudgy. I've met so many good friends here the last couple of years in the Tea Party movement that I'll have for the rest of my life because they're just – just like you and me, they're just great Americans trying to make uh, a difference. But thanks a lot. I appreciate your appreciate your uh, your uh, humbleness and your willingness to come and share with us yesterday. Hey man, next year I'll be back. Thank you, sir. Take care. I'll be thanks. listening. All right. So that was my man uh, Kevin Snoke from. Uh, I hope I said your name right, my brother. But uh, from the uh, Constitution Day Tea Party yesterday, and he was come through to do some big things with this. Right now, I'm, I'm not even going to skip this because we had technical difficulties earlier. We got some commercial breaks in. We'll get some towards the end of the show. So right now, I want to introduce you to someone who's, uh, she's a brilliant mind. She's a conservative blogger. You know what? Let's let her tell you who she is. Talitha McEachin, she is on the air with Pudgy. What's up, Talitha? Hey, how you doing, Pudgy? I'm doing good. Please tell me. I did Deanna in of saying your name right. <laughs> you you feel fine. It's Talitha, but everybody, you know. <laughs> nah, we like to be right. Though. It's Talitha. <laughs> it's Talitha. Like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call it what it is. Hey, let the oh, people know wonderful. who you are, man. Wow, I'm a conservative Christian blogger. Um, I write for Herman Cain's Cain TV, Jerrydavis uh, right. uh, Yahoo News Network. Number of other sites, but those are the main ones. Um, but I, I'm a writer primarily. I'm a Tea Party member um, and Crusader. 
Um, I support the Republican Party, um, and I, I'm, I'm well known for apologetics and, and fighting for the Christian cause and conservatism. Right. That's me. I like that. That's B-I-G in my book right there. All my pro-life people, what's up? <laughs> Love y'all, man. That's right. <laughs> I am pro-life, pro-traditional marriage. That is me all the way, and I'm not ashamed of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Not at all. You know, you know we have some pastors out here in North Carolina that said, you know, traditional marriage uh, was equivalent to uh, the Civil Rights Acts of the 60s. We're trying to set us back. With that traditional marriage crap. That's what these pastors said. Not the ones that were you know, on my team. But. And, and, and what I say to them is that you wouldn't even be here without traditional marriage. How about that? Mm. <laughs> that's, 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 that's how that, that's, that's, that's natural. That's how it is designed um, to that a man and woman come together and create a human being. And, you know, it's really a shame that in America now, if I just simply say that I'm for traditional marriage, oh, my gosh, you just get derided and you hate gays and you this, you know, I don't like, I, I hate the sin, I don't hate the center, I don't have a problem with the LGBT community whatsoever, you know, but I have a problem with this severe push of their agenda on all of us. Mm-hmm. So I, I do have a problem with that, and I and, and I do what I can to preserve um, what we know is right, which, which uh, traditionals. I don't care what people do in their bedrooms. You know, I'm sort of a I have a libertarian. I don't care what people do in their bedrooms, anything privacy their homes. Um, but I don't want things like that taught to my children, and 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 like in places like California where there's this push for gay tolerance in the public schools and things like that. I have a mm-hmm. problem with that. You know. Um, I have a problem with them trying to legislate uh, 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 um, their own morality and, and, their, and things like that. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big problem. But North Carolina, from what I hear, is, North Carolina is pretty, um, they're, they're, for the most part, uh, against um, gay marriage. Of course, you don't have people there pushing it. Um, but I actually have family from North Carolina. My dad's family is from Laurenburg. Mm-hmm. So very familiar with the state and kind of the demographics. Um but you got shout out to Longburg too. Got to, I got to give a shout out to Longburg. I lived there before too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Got some roots oh, yeah. down there. I'm, I'm a two boy. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out, man. Let, let me let me let's get down to it. Okay. Now you wrote an article on this, and I did read it, by the way. But I just want to spin it a little bit. Okay. Um, we all know that our significant others, let's just call them, whether it's our wives or your husbands or your mm-hmm. boyfriend, girlfriends, whatever. You all know right. that sometimes when you speak your heart about issues, it gets a little touchy, meaning arguments, meaning disagreements, sometimes even breakups or et cetera. Right. So biracial couples. We already know that a little less in in 2012, but we all know that, just to be open and honest about things, that they have challenges and mountains and plateaus to, to drive over without even bringing in the regular things that happens in their relationship, in any relationship. Right. But, right. you know, so I, I look at a regular argument, 
But a lot of things that are going on now incites, to me, it incites class warfare. There's a lot of racial divide, even in 2012, folks. And um, I'm wondering, you know, I know that even with my wife, let me put this out here. Even with my wife, like, we don't hold any punches for the most part. But I know the common sense in me now, and and to a respect factor, is that you don't talk about in-laws. You just don't do it. (laughs) It causes problems. Right? You're shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I what I'm what I'm curious to know is that can biracial couples talk about racial woes openly and honestly? I mean wholeheartedly, openly and honestly. What do you think? I think it depends on the two individuals. But, you know, um, I've been writing um, a series on Herman Cain TV talking about the top ten things that black and white people want to say to each other, but they're afraid to for whatever reason. Um, (laughs) And, of course, interracial dating is a part of that. And I've talked to actually a lot of interracial couples, um, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. And um, what I found was that a lot of the couples where there were – where there were black men and a white woman, it seemed to be more open in, for some reason, in that demographic, it seemed to be that they were able to talk about uh, those issues like race more openly. From from just talking, I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of couples in, in serving and for the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that black men are, are more open to talking about, those kind of things in, in a way. I'm going to get in trouble here, but then black women, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. But, I mean, I I surveyed, I talked to over 100 couples, and I, and I found that to be the case. I found that the couples where it was a white man and black woman, <laughs> it tended to be more the case that they kind of, steered away from those issues to keep strife down, to keep the drama down. And I don't know why that is. It's, it's very strange to me. But I don't know. It seems like it's just, it's just, that's just what it was, you know, just from doing the study. And I don't know why. It seems like black men are more open to talking about these issues and this, that, and the other. So I don't know. Wow. So why, do you, why I, do you think that is? I mean, like, you I, know, is it something about men that they just, but black women were more like, hey, don't, you know, tread lightly. You know? We don't, uh, men don't generally think before we talk. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> the truth of the matter is a lot of things just come out with us. Like, we, we run our mouth a lot. Like, that's what men do. You know, yeah. people always say women talk a lot. No, 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 no. It's God. <laughs> Because women the, are more you tactful. Get, women are more tactful and a little more. We kind of censor ourselves a little more, I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's sometimes there are things I want to say, and I'm just like, okay, let me not go there. And like, ooh, with my uh, ex-husband, when I was married. He just, bam! I just feel like, man, why did you say that? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, us. That's what we you, do, and that's why we always get in trouble, you know. <laughs> that's something you say to me in the car on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of like almost, you know, which is just interesting to me because women have this perception, I think, that men are more sneaky and more lying more. And I just, 
I'm not going to say that men are more honest or that, like, they don't lie. But when it comes to issues like that, racial issues, I just find that women are more sensitive about it and having done the series more sensitive about it. And that's across racial lines. That's white and black women on some of the issues. I just wrote a blog on, have you ever heard the myth that white people, when they're wet, they smell like wet dogs? Now, no. I've heard that. I'm from the South, hear too. Things like that. You, <laughs> you hear things like that. And I just wrote it. And a lot of women, when they respond, it's like, oh, my God. You know, men are just more cool, calm, relaxed. Men are more, uh, seem more willing to just kind of get to the heart of the matter and, and put it to rest. You know, and the whole point was to get rid of some of these cultural myths. But mm-hmm. it's just, it just seems to be a thing um, with men on racial issues. They don't seem to hold back um, as much. Or they seem to be a little more honest and objective about it and just kind of spit it out. Well, you know? I personally, I, I don't think it can be done. I don't believe it. I think the minute, see, all right, it, to, to me, it's reality. But hang on a second. You know what? Let's go to a caller first, and then I'll okay. say what I want to say because I already know what I need to say. Um, go to a call out of the 252, baby. That's NC. Our last three digits is 427. You're on the air with Pudgy and Talitha. What's up? Hey, Pudgy. This is Joel Killian. How are you? Brother Joel. Brother Joel. I'm good, brother. Doing? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I have not had the pleasure of meeting your, um, your, your guest. Um, I hope one day I can. Um, I wanted to, uh, oh, I, I, well, we li- we're right here in Wilson, North Carolina, and uh, if you're ever in the neighborhood, um, I'm with the Wilson NCT party, and so. Um, oh wow! Okay. You're I'm always welcome. In Atlanta. Always. Well, that's just right down the road, right? I, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the way gas yeah. is, right? with the way gas, you know, gas is, I'll just get a, a mortgage payment to pay for that. Um, <laughs> just uh, yeah. But no, I just wanted to um, kind of weigh in. I, I looked. I got your email about the, the show tonight, and I, I, I thought, well, there's something I really wanted to share, and um, I'm a history buff, and so I I thought maybe I could take your listeners to ancient Greece for a bit. Um, when we're talking about the economy, we're talking about, you know, where are we going to be at, you know, in the next four years, and how's unemployment going to be? Yeah. Uh, the, the ability to make a way for ourselves. Um, and I, I think this is a, it transcends race. It transcends gender. Um, you know, I, off the top of my head, I think about Frederick Douglass. And I think about, as a child, the sacrifices he made just to learn how to read and write. And he knew that if he could learn how to read and write, he could become free. And, um, you know, I work in academics. I work in academia um, with professors and teachers. And we have a problem. We have a lot of young people, even older people, who are going back to college or whatever, and they don't care about truly learning. And then they wonder why they're never really successful. i got a problem with that. The other thing is, in ancient Greece, you know, there were the aristocrats, they had mm-hmm. the aristocracy. And I was reading recently that, you know, you had to be born into the aristocracy. And then I thought about right. America. 
You know, the aristocracy is being ruled by, just for your listeners, I don't want to assume that everybody knows what that means, but being ruled by a select few who are the rich and the wealthy, who are the politically connected, um, economically connected. And there was a massive chasm, a massive uh, valley between the rich and the poor. Sounds a lot mm-hmm. like America, right? Sounds America, right. Very similar. Um and so I start, started thinking, you know, you look in every civilization from the very beginning up to the present where there was agriculture or industry or manufacturing or anything, there was always a difference between the rich and the poor. Sure. Right. And was that, was, that be, was that because there was a grand conspiracy to always keep the poor down? I, I don't think so. You know, I, there was there's always been a difference though between the ones who would work very hard by taking personal responsibility, coming up mm-hmm. with a plan, inventing inventing a widget, you know, uh something that they could market, and then they made a large profit, those evil things called profits, you know. <laughs> you know it had to come from hell, right? Profits came from hell. We, right. We've got to We've got to make sure that we outlaw profits. But anyway, um, I'm being sarcastic for all of you <laughs> listeners out there. That Thank you. My sarcasm. I was with you, though. Um, yeah. I, I know you are, Pudgy. I know, man. You're, you're sharp. But, you know, it, it just gets me that we live in a country where we don't have a permanent aristocracy. We have people that worked hard to get there, and they're black, white, Indian, right. Amerindian, they're Chinese, they're Japanese, they're every color, they're every gender, um, and it just we're, there is no permanent underclass, there is no permanent uh, upper class. Everyone has an opportunity. Can can anybody? And I I just challenge any liberal-minded, progressive-minded listener out there to name another country where. You can come into this country where you can be born here, be born poor, be, be born uh, a loser. I mean, li- li- born to a loser family. And you, is there another country right. where you, you can be as successful as you can be here, I, where you are forced to always be poor? Because according to ancient Greco history, uh, Grecian history, you could only be in the aristocracy if you were born into it. Well, that's right. Um, yeah, and, and I see what you're saying, um, um, and you are, you know, juxtaposing these two societies. And, you know, in Greece you're talking about um, nepotism. You're talking about pedigree, basically. Um, yep. Yeah. And you were either – almost a caste system, um, just – uh, like uh, some of the Hindus people in India, but you were born into it, yeah. so there's just what you're born into, and that's it. Um, America, we don't have an aristocracy in, um, at all, and of course we're not a, mono- uh, a monarchy, um, but there is opportunity uh, for everyone, um, no matter what family you're born into. You know, I get that, and I, a lot of this division in this country is just a lot of class warfare, and everybody has the access to um, education, we could, uh, you know, go, you, you know, some people will go back and forth with the quality of it and whatnot, but I was born and raised in Atlanta, and I grew up in a middle-class family, 
Atlanta mm-hmm. is different from a lot of cities, and Atlanta's not the only one. Atlanta has a very large black upper class, middle and upper class. In fact, they sure. outnumber the poor class. Sure. So I've always asked myself, what is it going on? What's going on here? You know that has has not taken place in other urban areas, and the answer is education. Um, after slavery, black people in this area decided that the only way that black people are going to prosper, our families are going to prosper, is through education. They could not attend uh, predominantly uh, white schools at that time, so they built their own colleges. And therefore, you had Spelman, you have Morehouse, you have Morris Brown, ITC, etc. And that's the difference. Atlanta has a very large upper black class. So I think it's just kind of a regional cultural thing, too. But you're right, opportunities out there, I think, for everyone. You know, um, there are some people who need some assistance, but you're certainly not limited by what family you're born into in the sense that ancient Greece or the caste system in, in, in India um, was. But liberals have this mindset that, they they think that every we should have equality. The so-called equality is going to give equal results. That you should give give everybody the same, just divide it up, and you know we'll all be. It doesn't work that way because once you, some people make it, and that's capitalism, and they become wealthy and they build wealth. And a lot of poor people, some people are envious of the rich people, this, that, and the other. The other. I do want um, fairness, but fairness and equality are not the same thing. But when you take from one after their hard work, and, and you know, even if it's, it's some white kid who's in prep schools and had everything handed to them, so what? Because somewhere in that family, in some generation, somebody started from nothing. And built yeah, but, it, you know, the, the crazy part is that shouldn't stop you. You know what I mean? Right, I, I right, hear that right. a lot, too. But my question, you know, from that is, well, what what's stopping you? Like I, I understand right. that you're saying, okay, they got a head start, um, they're doing this, they got this money, they live over here. Okay, cool. Take notes, <laughs> mastermind. Now do right. Multiple. Find out how they did it, and let me tell yeah, you, we just talked did. about this. Denzel Washington just made a statement, and he talked about how he didn't like to see um, black men, and, and, and men, period, not just black men, fathers not taking care of their children. That's an issue that's close to his heart. Mm-hmm. And what he said was, okay, fine, you have some who had this advantage, you can make all those arguments, but he said, hey, we have a black president now, whether you like him or not. He's in the White House, so nobody else has an excuse. See, and regardless of his, and I do believe Denzel is conservative, but it's like, even if you don't approve of Obama's job or you don't like Obama or if you love Obama, whatever, a black man is in the White House. And if I can say anything that I think that Obama has done, um, whether he did it deliberately or not, because he's there, a lot of these excuses from young brothers don't exist anymore as far as I'm concerned, you know. And and that was Denzel Washington's point. Like, hey, we, we black man's in the White House now. No more excuses, you know, and his whole thing is family and taking your children, that kind of thing. But I agree with you, Pudgy. It's not an excuse. Find out what what they're doing. I, a friend of mine used to say, like, you know, women can be envious of one another. Ooh, she got on those shoes, or I don't like this. And, yeah, hey, ask her where she got them from, or, you know, why does it have to be I don't like her because this, you know, and that's what we have to learn in America. Mm-hmm. 
I used to work for a Jewish, I'm a licensed optician, I used to work for a Jewish practice, um, actually more than one. And I'm telling you, I learned so much from watching them, how they saved money, how they were. And they, they, one thing, if I didn't learn anything else, I learned that if you take care of, the, if you watch the penny, the dollars will take care of themselves. <laughs> these are just things. These are just things you just have to. You have to get on and figure out what are they doing. And one yeah. thing I would like for black people even to do even more, um, and in just minorities in general, poor people, whatever. I'm talking about poor white people too, is to start thinking about generations way ahead of you and creating wealth in the way that the people that you are envious of or who you point the finger at. Like Puddy said, find out what they're doing. Do what you, you take care of you. Don't worry about him. <laughs> I'm I'm a fan so, of that, and it, I I just don't, you know. Let me let me go back for a second because you said something that struck a nerve. And if anybody on this show has listened to my show, they know that this is an issue with me, and and I'm I'm sick of going back and forth with President Obama, but you know I really 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 fed out fell out with the guy. At the point of him being at a church on Mother's Day, maybe it's Father's Day. I think it was Father's Day. I, hell, I can't remember. But he was at a church on a campaign trail. and right. No, actually, he was president already. And his words to the world, I mean, he had the world's ear. Every single uh, station, everybody talked about this. And I felt like the dummy because I saw something totally different in what he said and what everybody else said. And he took to the world stage to tell everybody that black men, you need, and he said this distinctly, black men, you need to take care of your babies. You need to pull your pants up and be responsible. And I couldn't believe that. I think that was you know, when he that, was, that, that, that was when he was running, I think. I don't know if was he, or maybe he had just one. I can't remember. It was early on though. I know what I, you're talking well, about. That bothered me because I'm looking at, and let's just call it what it is now. This is the highest achieving black male, believe it or right. not, you know, whatever he declares himself or however people consider him. I don't consider him black as me, but, you know, it is what it is. But he, 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 self-identifying, right? Let's just say self-identifying black male in right. the world. And he took the world stage to tell people, not that they could be like him. Not that I'm from a single parent household. Right. You know, not that you can accomplish the things that I've accomplished. Not right. that, and here's a rarity for any race. Not right. that I've attended two Ivy League schools with no money, so he says. Right. <laughs> but to say you need to pick up your damn pants. What? Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> On this day when you got the world's ear, that's the and that's best what you, you have can to come say. up with. You take the opportunity to to young black yeah. men, young black men. Yeah, and I get that. And why not inspire? This is your hey, time. You got the world's ear. You the right. black president. You can you can. Right. Everybody's listening. Everybody's looking. He didn't say I'm a beautiful. I'm a beautiful representation of you guys. Look at my beautiful black family, my wife and my daughters, and I'm responsible. I'm doing great things, and you can be like me. Right. Stand up. He didn't say that. Yeah. So to me, it was an attack on black men because it's the same yeah. stuff that we hear all the time. So I created a group right. call. 
I love being a black father with my partner Rashad Woods and a few other people out there who are helping us my out because to me, I love that. Yeah, because I, there's a reason when we got the president attacking black fathers. You know right. what I'm saying? Media already attacked. Right, so right, I, right. Come on, man. I'm just and telling black people quit complaining. You know, take your uh, what do you say? Take uh. Take your slippers off. Quit complaining. I mean, it was just like yeah. he speaks to black people differently. He does, and 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 that's part of that that racial and class warfare, though. I just he's he's he just he does that. He thinks, oh, I'm gonna speak to them any kind of way. And Barack Obama culturally is not really black, and culturally, you know, he's biracial, uh-huh. but he's not. He didn't grow up in a black community around black people. I mean, he just didn't. And there's nothing wrong with how he grew up. I'm not suggesting that, but. He doesn't know how to talk to, to black people. He thinks he should talk to us differently or, uh, or or less than he would speak. He wouldn't speak to white people that way or any anybody else. It's very strange to me. But when he does get up before us, it's shut up, quit complaining, take your wave caps off, pull your pants up. I just thought that was crazy. And I and I know it's totally off the topic of the show. I, I know. I'm, I'm going there. I'm not reaching because this is what he said. I've watched that video probably right. hundreds That's of what he times. Said. Yeah. Because I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm looking, I'm saying to myself, if I was the president of the United States, a black man with a beautiful black family, the message would be not my message, but the proper message, the message in 2012 right, right. is you can do this too. You can achieve this too. Stand he's up. He's asking them to be professional, basically. Right. That's right. He's asking them to be professional. Basically, that's essentially what you're asking him. Is to be a man and be professional, and I thought that was very odd too. And you have white presidents; they don't even say things like that. I'm not saying that the message doesn't. People have said it before. It's not anything new. Black men know they need to pull their pants up. You know, it, it's not. It, it's, it's not like that. And the white children too, because white children do it do it as well. Um, anybody who got the damn down, any, anybody that does it. But to specify when you have every race, creed, color, religion, everybody listen, and then you just target that message to this group I just it shows a lack of cultural understanding of, of the demographic of this country he just doesn't understand and I've always maintained that Barack Obama it's like every chance he gets and that's why I don't understand why black people have this relentless support for him he just threw together this African American Department of Education it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of that he threw mm-hmm. together before through executive order now, not through legislation, through executive order. Hold up, hold up. Folks, hold, hold up. I something for you. You can't talk like that. You, you, can't, you can't talk like that. You can't talk like that because people ain't looking up no executive orders. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care about these executive orders. I'm telling you, they they could care I less. <laughs> you don't use I'm an executive order for a, a certain African-American Department of Education, so, so black people need more help learning than the next person? I don't are we less intelligent? I don't, you know, look at what he's really saying. And when you do that, you create this racial divide between black and white people and Hispanic people and, and all, all of that. I mean, he does that between men and women. You know, he's been pushing these women reproductive rights and women, women, women. You know, he's doing whatever he can do to get a vote, and he did that with the African-American Department of Education by executive order. Right before the election, because he wanted to say to black people, yep, I did something for you. He wanted to catch When he started coming out saying I support gay marriage, black Christians started falling off the Obama wagon. They were yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> you Some know, so he had to do something. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, okay. Joe. Yeah. Our, man, we we just been rambling on. My fault, brother. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm enjoying. I'm sitting back. I'm I'm kind of I'm doing the uh, the quiet, you know, fist bump pumping. You know, I'm I'm excited. I'm praising the Lord over here. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's now I I I know you're a you're a father, Pudgy. I'm a father of four daughters. Um, oh wow. I don't know if your guest is, is uh, yeah, I, my I got a wife and four I'm daughters. Not yet. So pray for me. Okay. <laughs> Well, well, um, I, I know you're going to be a great mother. It sounds like you're going to put some good values in your kids when they when they come yeah. around. But thank you. Um, absolutely. Um, hopefully, you can find a good, godly man who loves the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. But um, that's right. Because they're they're rare to, they're rare to find these days. I think. Um, anyway, uh, the, the 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 statement I was going to make was about you know I don't know if you guys read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People came out years I have. ago. I have. I taught the class actually. It's incredible, incredible. Oh, wow. um, I think I think next to the Bible, it's one of the most important books anybody could read. With that said, parentheses, that is something that wealthy people, people that are successful, have given to the poor and the middle class. They've carried, they, they've passed along their values and the principles of success. And all right. they have to do is spend twelve or fifteen dollars to buy the book and read it. But you know, cause that's something you said earlier, Pudgy is. What have these rich and, and, and wealthy people given? That's one thing, and you're asking rhetorically, but that is something that they've given. They, they pass along the secrets. Um, I think about Earl Nightingale, who wrote uh, As a Man Thinketh um, years ago, and, you know, and others like uh, Robert Kiyos. Yeah, it's a great book. It's based on Scripture. You know, God right. forbid that anything should be based on Scripture, but um, then you have yeah. Robert Kiyos. Yeah. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if the poor and the middle class, and I, I'm a part of a poor class, actually. I'm, I mean, I, I've lived on a government assistance before because I had to take care of my kids. I lost my job. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was hard. It was very hard. I'm still not where I want to be because I'm a teacher. And, and there's no jobs out there for teachers, especially if you're a history teacher. But anyway... Um, My dad was a history so, teacher. So, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, well, and he he probably worked when the economy was better, but um, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, the thing that, the thing that gets me is we've got um, like you were talking about the president talking down to the 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 young black man who can who has the same gifts of God inside of his soul as everybody else and who has ever lived. And he talks it down to them. It reminds me of something Stephen Covey talked about. He said, I don't know if you remember reading about this, Pudgy, but in the earlier part of his book, he he talked about how his older kids, his older sons, were picking on his younger son. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, this younger son being like uh, the young black man and the older sons being like Barack Obama. The kids, the older boys would pick on, talk down to, belittle the younger son. And what would end up happening is Stephen and his wife, Stephen Covey and his wife, doing the thing that comes naturally to a parent but isn't usually very reasonable or sensible is to defend the younger son. Right. <clears throat> so, they, so they say, get up off your brother. Stop picking on him. He's going to bring his grades up. He's going to play better in soccer or football. He's going to get better. Stop picking on him. And what he realized that he was doing was he was enabling weakness in his son. Mm. He was 
he was in, he was encouraging weakness, and when he defended with good intentions, the love of a father is filled with good intentions. But you know what they say about good intentions. So he, he realizes we we've got to we've got to stop defending him. We got to let him stand up, let his actions speak louder than anything that, that we could say, and encourage him in private and in public. Just encourage him, lavish him with praise. And he will rise, and his actions will silence the mouth of the accuser through his brothers. What President Obama should do, what every leader, a true leader, should do, is they should not talk down to the weak. They should encourage them and praise them and let the cream rise to the top and, and let that speak. Um, but it and, shows stop, that, and stop assuming and it, that every every young black boy is running around with a pants hanging off and don't know anything. They have mothers too. Um, I grew up in a two parent home. Exactly. I have a, a, a great father, a Christian dad who disciplined us and, and and raised us right, and we were educated. There's this presumption, even on his part, that we all are just you know running around aimlessly with. with it's, it's absolutely Not, you know ridiculous. Yeah, not taking care of our baby. Who, he could have he could have taken that opportunity to praise the men that are doing. There are plenty of them, and I had to, as a woman, I had to kind of stop doing that too. Sure, there are brothers, white and black, white all races, not take care for their families. Not just black. We do tend to focus on the black when it comes to that. But I know some single black fathers who are doing it, you know, and who yeah. are leading, who are taking care of their sons and their daughters. So we have to celebrate them. That's why when I saw that on your website, oh, gee, I love being black. Well, I said, wow. Yeah, everybody is, check that out, too, by the way. It's on Facebook.com. Awesome. <laughs> I love being a black father. Myself and my brother, Rashad Woods, that's an organization. It stems from an organization called uh, the Loving Father Society because, you know, we can't just stop with black fathers, man. If we're going to really fix this thing, we got to be able to help all fathers and bring everybody Absolutely. to the conversation. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we got an organization, a nonprofit called the Loving Father Society, and we have our organization called I Love Being a Black Father. Joe, we got to let you go, brother. I got a couple more callers I need to get in, if that's okay. I understand, and we look forward to seeing you, brother, uh, on October 13th at our rally downtown Wilson. Everybody is welcome. They want to come out. It's going to be a family-friendly event. We're going to have Pudgy as one of our speakers. It's going to be oh, incredible. Wonderful. We're going to have Felice, Felice Pete from uh, uh, from Raleigh. Uh, Shout out, Felice. A, a former... That's right. That's right. And uh, and just we look forward to seeing you. I, I don't get to see you enough, Pudgy, and, I, and I'm a little upset about that because sometimes I, I really wish I could get me some Pudgy. Hey, look, we don't forget, guys. every Sunday, man, you can get you some, brother. Just come come get a little bit. I always tell people, <laughs> if you need to be inspired and you need to feel better, you start your week out with KRP Radio and then get into the rest. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. You're right. I hey, love be you, blessed, man. brother. Uh, all right, you take care. All right, blessings. Take Go care. to a caller out of the 434 Thank you for holding so patiently, and uh, we're going to get you on the air. You're the only 434 caller we have on the air, so uh, you're on the air with Pudgy and Talitha. What's up? How are you? Okay. Hey, good morning, Pudgy. How you doing, man? Good evening. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is this evening. Is Mel, good, brother. How are you? This is Mel Whitlock. How's it going? Mel, this is one of the major contributors 
to the KRP Radio Show, man, the blog that we have on Facebook. Oh, wow. Hey, man, I'm a fan of yours, brother. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I'm a bigger fan of yours than you are of mine. I'm, oh, no, I man. finally got a chance to give you a call, so I definitely want to tell you that I support everything that you do, everything that you're saying, and I'm just glad to be a part of what you're trying to do, brother. It's a movement for sure because only we can change this thing for real. We can't leave it into the hands of a government to do not anything for us. Oh, yeah, right. definitely. But I saw the question that you had on uh, on Facebook, so I figured I wanted to answer it. Uh, I know y'all kind of went off on a tangent there that I was listening to, which was a great exchange. But I was listening, and the thing that I kind of take away as far as what I, what can a president do in 2016 to make me say a good job? Yes, sir. Uh, I think you, you and I probably can agree that we're in a very divided time now as a nation, and I, a lot of that has to do with the current administration in the White House. Mm-hmm. It does. And I, I firmly believe that if we can establish a leadership or a president that is less divisive in his, his or her tone, or preferably his tone, then I think right. that would signal to me as a good starting direction. For example, I think President Obama missed a golden opportunity with his election and with his presidency to actually void out all of the racial rhetoric that's been going around on both sides, actually. I think had he not fed into his own party's attempt to invoke that racial narrative into the discussion, I believe that he had an opportunity that he really could have just put the situation aside where he says, well, hey, it's two individuals with two different ideologies, two different positions. It has nothing to do with race, and I think that could have just eliminated that whole narrative of Right, right. Absolutely. He's irresponsible in that that regard. Well, yeah, I mean, if you take some of the comments that he's he's even said nationally as a president, he's uh, made the statement that I don't know if you guys heard it or not, uh, he said that well, Republicans want blacks to stay at home. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 he he plays right into the narrative. He pours gas onto the fire. You know that's that's what he does um, it, when it comes to that. And it's it's just not. He takes advantage of that democratic racial narrative. That's just what he does. And it's really a shame because every, every voter is not a Democrat. You got a you got a growing number of black conservatives, a growing number of black moderates and independents. And you know, a lot of us are just tired of it. We we're really sick of that. Every you know, just like um, you all, uh, you all talking about the Tea Party earlier. As I was listening, Tea Party comes out. Tea Party tells the truth, you know, about things. And what's the first thing that liberal Democrats say? They're racist. <laughs> I mean, just like that. Exactly, and 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 it's so funny because I've never had a Tea Party call me a coon. I've never had a Tea Party call me a sellout. I've never had a Tea Party call me any of the derogatory names that people who call me their brothers, who who I'm supposed to be their quote-unquote brother, have called me just because I'm a conservative who happens to be black. Right. And it's so ironic, though, because it's like they, they really think black people are monolithic, that we're all the same, because you can't. You can't see to a black person with a different political ideology than you, and it embraces something different, and therefore they're sellout, therefore they're Uncle Tom and that kind of thing. So what you're really saying is you better think like the herd or else. Well, I've, I've, I've said it, and I, I think, you know, Pudgy has 
for some of the things I've I've written up on Facebook a lot of times. It is only when we talk about politics, black folks, uh, the Democrat liberal base always want to feed into that narrative about, oh, well, we don't believe in stereotypes. We don't believe in stereotypes. We don't follow stereotypes. <laughs> Not all black people eat watermelon. Not all black people eat chicken. But the only yeah. but when we yeah. actually try to vote differently. That's when they're like, "What in the heck are you doing? Or you're yep. this, you're that. You're not true to yourself. Right, right, I'm right. not fitting into that. I'm not fitting into the political stereotype. You know, right. I'm breaking that stereotype. So and the right does it too. The right does it to the conservative. I can tell oh, you, yeah. the right does it too. They absolutely do oh, it. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. I, I'm I'm one of those conservatives who will call the right out too. That includes black conservatives. <laughs> you know. Okay. <laughs> Some people are like that, and they just want to say, hey, these, these, look. Hello? I lost you, Talitha. Okay, well, maybe we lost her for a second. I think her call dropped or something, but, yeah, man, I, you know what? I, we share a lot of the, a lot of the same uh, beliefs, brother, and, and, like I said, I'm I'm a huge fan of yours, man. I, I think I read about if I can catch it, I try to read every single article you post. Because <laughs> a lot of stuff you hey, say, man, man it, it needs to be put out there. I and, and I I appreciate it. I mean, Facebook is just one of several places where you can actually go and you can express yourself. And I'm not one of those people that I actually isolate the discussion. You know, I, you'll have liberals and you have conservatives where you can actually talk talk to them. You know, and see what people see to gather the temperament of the discussion, and through right. that, that's how you know it's, it's just it's it's a sad moment in our history where our president has led a charge to divide this nation as opposed to unify it. And I can give you so many examples of how this nation has become more divided, and honestly, not even under the Carter years were we this divided as a nation, unless I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's um, you know what? Hang on, Mel. I want you to hang on with me for a second. We got to lift it back, but we're gonna go to a. Okay. Do we have to lift it back? Okay, yeah, yeah we got back. you back to lift it. We're gonna go to another okay. caller, the disciple one. We're gonna call in the disciple one. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm doing. I'm doing well. One go as first time I ever called your show. Uh, Pudgy, you said your name is correct. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Okay, yeah, I wanted to go ahead and support my girl Talitha. You know what's up, girl? Hey, girl. <laughs> you know on? I had to come in there and support it. You know I had to. <laughs> you know I had to. I love it. But you know what I wanted to go ahead. I mean, I I find this 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 uh this dialogue and this conversation very very interesting, very very stimulating. Um, one of the things that I that I um that I that you that I heard the other caller talked about. He talked about Obama wanted that he would like to see Obama go ahead and unite the country. As opposed to divide it. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think that's in his. I don't think that's in his makeup, quite honestly. And here's the reason why I don't. I, here's the reason why I'm Boy. saying that. It, I, I don't think it's in his makeup. One of the books that Obama has read, and 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 my opinion, I think it's probably one of his favorites, was Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Rules for Radicals. Yeah. The reason the reason why that book is so important is not so much. What is con is is contained in the pages of it, but who that book is dedicated to? Yes, sir. That 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 book, right. which which everybody, including conservative television and radio, have completely missed, 
is that book is dedicated to Lucifer, the devil himself. Mm. And so why, I mean, that's the question you have to ask yourself. If this person believes in something like Rules for Radicals, where this book is dedicated to Lucifer, the first radical, and Sean Hannity missed it, Rush Limbaugh missed it, Michael Savage missed it, there's a problem. Right. There's a serious problem. Yeah. So... So I don't think that that's why one of the reasons I don't think it's in his makeup to even unify the country because he's already coming from a mindset of dividing it. The second right. thing, the second thing that I wanted to go ahead and talk about is that when you were talking earlier regarding um, his speech about telling black men to pull up their pants, what I the, the what I receive that as is I'm your daddy now. Wow! Wow! See, that's what. The, see, that's why I didn't. When when he went up there and he said all that, and he's he basically saying, "I'm your daddy now." So you go do what I tell you. Well, like a like a father verbally spanking their child. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So see, yeah. I found it insulting, though, man. I mean, come on. Oh man! But see, but, but, yeah. but, but like I said, this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a we're dealing with not just a narcissistic, apolitical, socialistic bastard, because I'm gonna call it like it is. But <laughs> the worst part about it is, you have black folk in droves voting for this person. What does this right. mean about a level of our discernment? Nothing. Right. If if okay. if I may interject, I want to make one clarification point. I um, do understand that, you know, the president has followed a ideology that is terribly wrong, and that's that's something that I understand. My point about that is, as conservatives, how do we bring that about in the discussion about the president missing such a golden opportunity? Now, granted, he's not going to take, take that opportunity because he believes in a, a liberal ideology, a deep liberal ideology. Mm-hmm. But one other point I will make as well, too, I understand, you know, this, the sentiment that we all can feel about, you know, President Obama. But regardless of how we feel about him personally, I still consider him my president because he was Democrat, he was elected in oh, that yeah, process. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, and absolutely. you know, I don't I, – I, I get enraged when I see people overseas burn the effigies of him. And so i I rather, you know, I would hope that we can keep – the tone of the discussion a little bit above water to the fact that, if nothing else, he is the president of the United States. Whether I think he is the worst president of the United States, history would decide that I know he is the worst that we've had thus far in the past <laughs> 20 years. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think... Let's put this way. If this was a horse race, him and Jimmy Carter be neck and neck and it'd be a photo finish. Right, right. I was just going to say, oh, uh, President Obama and Jimmy Carter are, are, are neck and neck, and I'm going to throw George Bush in there, second term. Um, uh, yeah. uh, you know, yep. the yeah, and, and and the war and things like I'm talking about morally in terms of the war and everything, um, it, it's bipartisan. I think that Bush, Obama, and Carter are the three worst in history. We can figure out how, where we place them later, but all three of them are in the same boat as far as I'm concerned. Well, look, let me ask you all this right, real quick, since I got everybody on the air. Yes, sir. And uh, we're going to start with the disciple one, since you're our new caller. And then we'll yes. go to Mel and to Lithuan, and I'll end this off. But uh, what should we, despite who the president is, all right, 
13 going forward, what can we actually pinpoint in, in bullet points, if you will, and say job well done by 2016? And, 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 and let me give you some background. Now, the reason I'm asking this question is because I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that if a Barack Obama, a President Obama is reelected, and things do turn to the worst, like I expect, because to me, if anybody that spends sixteen billion dollars or gets a sixteen trillion dollars in debt, that's six trillion in three years, three and a half years. Right. So if you know what math is, and y'all, you know where I'm going. So I, I just right. want to ask the question: What can we honestly look at in bullet points and say, you know what, he tried? Well done. Whether it's Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, or a Mitt Romney as President of the United States. Because yeah. I don't want any cop-outs when 2016 comes and things are worse like I believe they will be. Right. Okay. Yeah. To, to to your point, um, if if Barack Obama was 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 reelected, the first thing, the, the only thing he could do is resign and take your cabinet with you. Second thing is is that if Mitt Romney is uh, is uh, is elected, I would I would probably say I would probably say say to say to Mitt, sir, you need to understand that you will be under a microscope bigger than the Hubble telescope. So you better watch your move on everything you do. If you pass oh, yeah. gas, there better be a law about it. Thirdly, thirdly. What we need to understand is that we need to get we need to get people educated on what politics really is. And this is where this is where it gets a little bit of long term. Politics by definition is simply this. It is the promotion and the defense of a worldview. That being said, there are really only one of two types of worldviews that you could have. You either have a biblical worldview or you have a non-biblical worldview. And when you go ahead and you study and research what the founders have, you would find that overwhelmingly they most had a biblical worldview. Where is a biblical worldview should be taught? It should be taught in our churches, the one place where a biblical worldview is absent. So if you really want Mitt Romney or Barack Obama to, for us to say a job well done in the next 48 months, barring martial law, we need to understand that our churches, especially our pastors, need to understand, be able to walk in, and hold accountable our politicians to a biblical worldview. Respect that. All right. Mel, what you think, brother? Uh, every point that the brother just mentioned, I agree with it wholeheartedly. Uh, to, for me personally, for me to say a president has done a good job in terms of trying, the first and most important thing is establishing American energy independence. That's what I believe it would amount to. Absolutely. Promote all, promote, instead of making Brazil a energy world power, America needs to be an energy world power. We Absolutely. can invest in we can invest in alternative energy, you know, here and there and everywhere. But our main bulk of what American Americans use today, poor, rich, black, white, is oil. We have to invest in the resources that we have. That's like uh, that's like owning a restaurant and going out to eat. You know, pretty much. 
But uh, one of the right. other points that I would like to point out as well, too, is we have to reform welfare. We have to reform entitlement programs. So if I have a president Absolutely. that is willing and able to reform entitlement programs, not to get rid of them because there are emergency efforts needed at times, sure. but to Absolutely. shut out the fraud that you and I every day when we go into the community we see, that's, that's something that's a positive as well, too. Uh, a less imperial type of government that doesn't put us in conflicts where we raise up uh, insurgents to hate us. What we did, what we just just did in Libya, and what we just did in right. Egypt. Right. We gave those insurgents power to hate us. So we shouldn't have a president that is so quick to put us in multi-conflicts. But just right. because it's not one major conflict, call it a victory because it's not a victory. These the middle more people in the Middle East hate us now under Obama and. Three, four, three and a half, four years than they did in eight years of Bush. That's right. a fact. Oh. And right. probably the last thing that I would suggest, too, as far as less government, more community. One of the things that someone had talked to me about just today, as a matter of fact, is that people seem less concerned about their brother and sister. Now, I challenge them about the American resolve that we have in times of emergency, but mm-hmm. the more government that goes into place, then the church is going to say, well, why do I need to help out? Now, that's a morally corrupt church, you know. Right. But the church has to, you know, the church has to reestablish its role as the first line of defense in terms of Man. going out and, and, and relieving the stresses of society, not the government, because the government won't do it. The government cannot give you moral conviction. It is the church right. that can do that. So with those in, with those things in mind, that's what I believe is necessary and needed in order for me to look at a president and say, hey, you know, you may not have gotten everything you wanted done, but at the end of the day, I see I see where you're going. Mm-hmm. I respect that. Um, 619-638-8559. We're actually in the bonus hour, folks. Uh, if you guys didn't get in, you might be left out, but you can log on to blogtalkradio.com backslash KRP radio show to get in and hear these last few comments that we have and to get in the bonus hour. Um, Talitha, what do you think? Well, I, I agree with what has been shared already. I agree with both of you brothers. Um, I think that um, we, some kind of way we need to grasp the moral reins of this country. And I think that our collective morality is a reflection of how cohesive the religious institutions and the churches are. Um, so that, that that's one thing. Just a general, we need a, a leader who can foster a general love and respect for one another, you know, regardless of differences of religion. Of course, I'm a Christian. Everybody in this country is not, um, and and. and that that's what America is. You have the right to come here and practice your religion or or, or whatever. Um, but when I see, even as a Christian, when I see people attacking Hindu temples and shooting up mosques, that bothers me too. Um, and, and I have a problem with that. Um, so someone who can lead us uh, to a, a, just a, a overall. Um, just to get back to our overall morality, I think that there are some principles that different um, denominations and religions uh, share, but we need to respect one another. 
we really do. We need to respect one another, and we need to get back to, um, I think, what what the Founding Fathers uh, intended. Um, and that kind of goes to what Gerald was saying um, and the other brother. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. I think it's Mel, but um, yeah, fiscal Mel. responsibility. Um, obviously, no matter who is president, the $16 trillion is not going to disappear overnight. It's not going to disappear in four years. It's not going to disappear in eight years. It's not going to disappear in 20 or 50 years, you know. But someone who has the economic acumen to start to slow the spending and to look at areas where we can cut, to let businesses and Wall Street and banks, things like that, be responsible for themselves as far as I'm concerned, to put away or do what they need to do for a rainy day. Individually, we have to do that. You know, we don't get a bailout if my house goes in foreclosure or anything like that. (laughs) So it's that kind of thing, this crony capitalism we have to deal with. We have to get to a point where we are severing the tie between Congress and private enterprise where these big businesses are not just paying for votes. That's a huge problem, um, in my opinion. So, and that's tied to fiscal responsibility. So, if I say success for a president, someone that preserves traditional marriage, that does not try to force alternative definitions on marriage on everyone, um, someone who is fiscally responsible and who starts to slow down the debt, we should at least start to see some growth um, and things of that nature. And if you're not going to do those things, if you're going to give in and say, okay, marriage is going to be this and this is going to be that, and just continue to allow crony capitalism to grow, you know, and this is bipartisan. I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats. Sure, um, sure. This is, this is both because um, it's not just the liberal. I'm not one of those who just liberal, liberal, Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Republicans have, have it, both of them are responsible. But somebody who has the guts and the strength, to say, look, this is how it is, this is how it needs to be, this is what the American people want, you don't like it, get out of Congress. Wait a minute, Talia. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Say, say, that, say that last line one more time. <laughs> I said somebody who has the strength to be in charge <laughs> and say, this is how it's supposed to be, this is, this, is how, this is what the American people want, you don't like it, get out of Congress. And that's what we say on November 6th. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah, um, absolutely. I let me let me here's a I'm, I agree I believe 100% with everything you guys have just said. But and and the reason I ask this question and I and I ask it in small groups too. I even email it to people because you know folks love to talk politics. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right, and majority right. of the times the politics that people are talking are none other than none other than what they see on TV. None other than what they get on regular television programming. And, Absolutely. And it's, it's normally rhetoric and, you know, highlights. But when you really get down to it and you ask this question, people are trembling in their boots because they really don't know enough about the country and enough about things that are really going on to give yeah, you a responsible answer. It's normally emotional. Yes. And, um, right, so right, I, right, I, you're right. right. You're absolutely I, I love correct. asking this question to people, and and what I would love to see is is the government actually having having an accountable government, you know, in private sector and in banking. I, that's right. what I would like to see. I, I would like to see my president dealing with Congress, sitting down at the table, and they need to hash out a plan 
a written plan that we all can follow that says right. this is how we're going to be more accountable and we're going to hold our government agencies more accountable for the money that we give them, for the actions right. that they take, and the bills that they pass. They right. need the, the bills that they pass voice. need to reflect right. their right. community and the people that voted them in. And until and the they do that, they're going to continue to have all these problems. But Another thing I would like to see I'm sorry. Is, is, this is something that Mel said, a plan implemented already by 2016 that will impact right. entitlement programs for the better. Oh, yeah. You know, as you if you right. all can walk around any city, probably with the exception of San Francisco, but you can walk around any city in this country and just look around at things that need to be done. Now, I understand that there's a level of of age factor to this, where where people who receive entitlements are are elderly and they just can't do anything beneficial right. to society to make an impact without probably harming themselves. Right. And and I'm okay with that. But what I'm not okay with is and, and where you would cut the line, I don't know, where you would draw the line, I don't know. Like it, it would definitely have to be hashed out and it would take some time to implement. I get that, but I think it can be done. I think that there's uh, I think that people can pay back into entitlement programs. I do. I right. think twenty something right. can pretty much work anywhere in the city. You know, and I'm not talking about slavery, but I mean hey, print an invoice. Set an hourly amount to it. You know, do whatever you got to do. But I, I think people, if they can be more responsible and, you know, if they, if they can go up there and sign up for some of these entitlements that a lot of times they, they don't need, I think they can be responsible enough right. to, to turn this community service hours and help society back a little bit. You know? I I, I completely, you know, I, I mean, I some people you. would equate yeah. that to slavery. I don't equate yeah. that to slavery. I, I think you need to print an invoice. I have a question, sir. I have, sure. a, I, I do have a question, because you said that this would work pretty much anywhere except the city of San Francisco. No, now I, I said I, that we could walk around the city and see, okay, where the city needs help in terms of cleanup or what may have you in any city with the exception of San Francisco, because if you've been to San Francisco, it's probably the cleanest city in the world. Uh, really, sir? And, 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 and please, what you're I, saying... Please let me... Please, I hope you're putting your tongue cemented in cheek. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because since I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, I can tell you emphatically that is not the case. You're so talking... Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because uh, Pudgy, I think, is talking about physically. And I think... Uh, and Michelle, I'm talking about talking physically about also. I'm okay. talking about physically please, also. Please enlighten us, brother. Please enlighten us. San Francisco has got to be one of probably the most dirtiest cities you have ever seen. If the reason there is a reason why, if you it oh absolutely, there was a reason why in a, I think it was either 1996 or 97 that the homeless the, the mayors of every of nearly every city in the United States gave their homeless people a one-way bus ticket to San Francisco. This is the absolute truth. You can look it up. I remember it's that. online. No, no, I remember that. I remember and that. And they have they have a homeless problem in a place that you would not believe. There are tent I cities right. in Justin Herman Plaza. I mean, the streets are dirty. You you better know which neighborhood that you are going into. Um, and you better, and you better, you know, 
you better check the color of your skin when you go there too. Because it's it is not a pretty city, it's not a safe city. Um as a matter of fact, there was a study that came out a few years back that said the city of San Francisco um is the least uh least habitable or hospitable to children. People who have children are moving out of the city in droves. <laughs> I can't see San Francisco that. is like yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah too. So. You, you have to you have to understand. Do you have to understand? This is this is where I live. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. The San Francisco Bay Area, just to give your listeners just a little bit of a little bit of insight, it's uh, it's it's a region comprised of forty four cities, mm-hmm. which has a population of approximately about seven million people. We sit in between two major earthquake faults, and the Church of Satan sits in our backyard. The world headquarters of the Church of Satan is located in San Francisco. Sure. Now, about 50 miles to the south, there is San Jose, California. Population is about it's the Bay Area's biggest city at about 1 million plus people. In about a half a mile away from City Hall, there is a statue of a snake. The snake is known as Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl is an Aztec god that requires human sacrifice. This snake was dedicated about 15 years ago, and you had the mayor out there, and you had people in full Aztec dress doing their ceremony and all the little thing, and not a pastor spoke about it. This so is Stanford, what, this is what we deal with here. Regardless of what the tech industry is with Stone Valley and San Jose and what people outside of the Bay Area may think, these are the spiritual realities that we deal with here every day. And if you even go 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 back in in, in the United States history even 100 years ago, you would notice that in in you know in the church world when you think about 1906, what do you think about? You think about Azusa Street in Southern California. What happened in Northern California? The great earthquake of 1906 happened. I'm going to go ahead and say this. God was, God was teaching the nation a lesson. He was explaining to the rest of the nation through the state of California. On one side, this is what I will do to you if you repent. On the other side, this is what I will do to you if you rebel. And this type of situation is going to be set up again. Not necessarily in California, but it's going to be in the nation. And I would say this before I get let go, that if we as a nation do not repent before God, we as a nation are finished. Regardless of who is in office, if we do not go out here and examine our own hearts and vote righteously, we will be as it was with the children of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 7 that when God said to Samuel, I that they Samuel they did not reject you they rejected me that I would not rule over them and we will receive the judgment of God upon this nation. Mm. Well, I 
I don't, I don't, I mean, I agree, I agree with you, but I think that falls more not on the government, but that, once you say it to the point, it falls solely, I believe, on the church. And when yeah, you absolutely. have people in past, in pastor's positions, and even mm-hmm. if you have people running around playing pastor like Al Sharpton and Jeff Jackson, <laughs> when you have people use that, when people, I, yeah, I, I, and it was sad because I was serious when I said that too. Yeah, I know, I know. When you have people, when you have people use those titles and they alter the very perception of what is God, as Christians, we should never have a a great a great area about what it means to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately. With the uh, inclusion of liberal ideology, you see, you see that you see that 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 type of our problem that we're facing. So my my challenge to to you guys, to anyone who's listening, is if you agree with what is it, Gerald? Yes, sir. If you agree with what Gerald is saying, then it really falls more so back on us as Christians because we have to. Be firm in our ground about what we know to be right and wrong. I don't care what political right. party you're part of, personally. Exactly. But right. my thing is, right. if your if your beliefs and what you say do not match up with who my God is, I can't vote for you. The reason why I can sleep at night because I want to vote for Mitt Romney is this: Mitt Romney's a Mormon. I believe I believe Mormonism is a cult. I do. It is. But yeah, it but, yeah. but 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 but. Mitt Romney has never came out of his mouth about anything to threaten to infringe on what it is that I believe as a Christian. Our president, on the other hand, has came out of his mouth and said that, and this is supposed to be a Christian, that has said that because I, as an American, believe that marriage should be defined between a man and a woman, my view is unevolved. Okay. Right. So my thing, my thing is, he, our president has agreed to not enforce DOMA. He has mm-hmm. repealed "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." Everything yep. that right. this president has has done right. has been counter to the Christian position. So it's I, been anti-Christ. And I can vote for. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I'm not going to go that far, but I mean, yeah, that's it's, what it's it is. Anti-Christian. No, it is. It's anti- anti-Christian position, but I can't. Say Mitt Romney is a threat to me as a Christian, but I can right. say any man that lets the Muslim Brotherhood sit in my White House is a threat to my Christian position. Exactly, so I believe. We have to, right? We have to, yeah, he no, he he is, and he's very sympathetic, um, and 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 seems to be pro Islam, you know, as oh. far as that. And and, and, no, I, and I believe, you know, the country we we are also to have, uh, you know, we don't live in a theocracy. I mean, we, no. we just don't. <laughs> I, I no, feel we, I wouldn't want one. Don't. We would, and I, and I, would, and I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want one. That. I honestly wouldn't. But, 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 um, and that's that's one of the biggest problems I have. Um, and you have a lot of black liberals who will say, you know, well, he's a Mormon. Da, da, da. Well, you know what? Even though he's a Mormon, and I don't, I'm one of those who does not consider Mormonism under Christianity. And I know a lot. I get a lot I'll of black I'll be the first Mormon, one to tell you myself. And I don't. I just. I don't consider it. I think Mormonism is a cult. It but is. That, if that's what he wants to do, that's that's his business. He has the freedom to do that in his country, as long as he doesn't try to infringe on me. And even Mormons support uh, traditional family. There are some values that are shared, but uh, Obama 
in every in his actions. I, I don't care what comes out of your mouth. I care what you do. And everything he has done has been against what he says he believes in. Um, I don't. I'm not going to say whether or not he's a Christian. I can't. Only God can do that and knows his heart. But what I can say is that his actions do not align up with what comes out of his mouth, and that's what's important I, to me. I'll be that's the first one to tell to me. you that. I'll be the first one to tell you that if Mitt Romney gets elected as president, and the first thing that he says is he wants to legalize polygamy. I'll be the first one to say we need to throw that guy out of the White House. I have, <laughs> I have, I have no here. problem. I, I guarantee. I guarantee. The impeachment process would happen almost overnight. Yeah, almost overnight. I, I absolutely, I absolutely would too. You know, and 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 I, I would join along with you. You know, brother. But like I said, advantage to Obama with Obama with us in deciding who to vote for is he's already shown us. You know. Um, yeah, his views are evolving, this, that, and the other. Like I said, he's shown us with his actions. I mean, he, if some people think, oh, he just compromised, or he, look, he supports gay marriage, and in reality, he, Obama didn't even have to come out and say anything about the gay marriage, because as it stands now, gay marriage is a state issue. Each state decides for themselves. Okay, but we know he's against state rights anyway. He's for the federal government. He didn't even have to say anything, because it's not a federal issue whatsoever. He chose to. So that, I tell black that, liberals, absolutely that is his agenda to make uh, same-sex marriage a federal issue, to change the definition oh, sure. of marriage for everybody. Absolutely. That's absolutely his goal. I don't care what anyone says because he inserted himself in, 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 a, in a debate that, first of all, had died down and that he didn't even have to. And some people think, oh, he just did that to, to, so we'll forget about the economy. No. Obama thinks that gay people should, and the federal government should say they should marry. Repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell is a huge precedent for that. And and even if you don't, even if you do support same-sex marriage, which of course I do not, there are a lot of good reasons that have nothing to do with religion that that Don't Ask, Don't Tell was put in place to start with. But Obama, that's his goal. And some black Christians are just, if he's reelected, they are in for a wake-up call. And it's, on, it, it's, it's the blood is on their hands because the writing That's is on the We can see it. it we well, can Talifa, see it. It was, on, it was on their hands back in 08 because the one thing that, oh, yeah. the one thing, the one thing that most, most people forget about is that when he had a debate with John McCain at Rick Warren's church in California, and the question was at the most softball of all questions. When the question was asked, when does life begin? He said, and remember, he's in a church with a room full of Christians. And his answer was, I can't answer that because it's above my pay grade. And yeah. three months yeah. later, you this happened in August of 2008. Three months yeah, later, you still yeah. voted for him? Yeah. yeah. The blood yeah. was on your hands then. And this man it was on your hands in, in, then. He he believes in late term abortion. I mean seriously, like he No, no. No, he no, he goes beyond late term. He voted for what was known as the Born Alive Act in the case oh, yeah, of a botched yeah. abortion where the baby was born baby. alive, the Kill doctor him. by law could not resuscitate the child, could not give it medical aid. He voted in favor for that four times as an Illinois state senator. As senator, mm-hmm. yeah. And and, 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 was, and black people just, a lot of us just either refuse to believe it 
or we just overlook it. And I know black Christians that say that, that that just so overlook it. And and hey, I mean, like like you said, but just getting back to Fuzzy's topic, you know, at hand, things like that, that moral responsibility. Um, we all don't we don't even all have to be Christians or any one religion. To, to to accept the fact that life begins at conception, or at least not want to kill a baby when it's out of the womb when the abortion is botched, that moral responsibility and leadership—that's what—that's what I look for um, in, in in a president as well. Yeah, people tell me, oh, this is president, he's not the pastor. Hey, it doesn't matter. He's making decisions that 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 cross over into morality. Either you need to I, give it up and give it to the well, state, the, or, the, or they'll do the right thing. So, regardless of whether he's a president or not, every person on planet Earth has a moral compass. Everybody oh, yeah, has absolutely. one. The, absolutely. The question, the question is not whether you have one. The question is, is it broken? That's the question. <laughs> Why would you go out here and give the reins of power to the highest office in our country to a person who has a documented broken compass? Why would you do that? Because the reason why you would do that well, is because your own compass is broken. Because, and because well, so, he's black. So, this, In some cases, because he's goes, black. This, and black people well, have said to me, white people, these white presidents have done this, done and that, what a big deal, let them have eight years. I mean, you think I'm kidding. That's the thinking. No, I know. The fact that he's goes, black outweighs all of that. Oh, I know. That goes back to... That goes back to the whole discussion about uh, – I think that goes a little bit deeper into the moral compass of the black church as a whole. And that's a different right. topic. That's a different topic that you probably can have a whole discussion about. But right, I think right. it, I th- I think you can see that more visibly. And I hate to use the term black church because I think that is such a – the only church that you have are those of in Christ. It has nothing to do with black that's church. That's right. But I do, I agree with I that, do yeah. believe that. I do believe that it goes into the more traditional churches that have black members have more, I've I found have a more tone that is more uh, compromising towards the word right. of Christ. And it's more, uh, it's, le- it's more about ritual and show. If you watch how people dress, if you watch how people yes. act and behave, and yes. right, right, stuff, right. then it really is about, what it is that we are worshiping, you know. And, 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 and Mel, like, yeah, Mel just for the record, you know, Charlotte pastors, black, white, whatever. You got all these money changes in the temple. All and that, that has nothing to do with race. You got white churches that do it too. I, you know, um, I remember reading Christianity in Crisis with Hank Hanegraaff. All kind of churches that do this. So that's that's not the issue. I mean, I, I think that, like you said, the moral compass that that that's a reflection of. The church involvement with community. I mean, that's a reflection of that, you know. And in in the black community, and I guess in the South, because I'm I'm a Southerner, I'm from Atlanta. And the South is a little different from California or other places because you still uh, have some of that intact in terms of the community. Uh, not like it used to be, but it's still kind of there. Because you go to a Southern Baptist church, white, black don't matter. And you talk about gay marriage, the answer is hell no, don't even ask, you know. So it's not, I mean, it's not all churches. I think a lot of them are starting to become more compromised when you start to see, I mean, you got churches that are um, openly gay and lesbian pastors. I mean, it's just, oh, we're, yes. in a different, we're, we're in a different place now. Yeah, we're, so, we're, we're actually, actually in a time, though, where to me it's like um, Christianity's outdated. It's like people just want to take God's message 
and make it fit any in and oh, everything yes. that you want to do. Right. Because right. today we can excuse this because it's not fair. Well, I often right. tell people, God isn't fair. It's like this. You either do what you're supposed to do or not. We right. can't cater right. this for yeah. you. Right. If this message doesn't work for you, find something else to do. But for God's sakes, don't stand here and say, I'm 100% for Christ, but I'm gay. Right. I'm going to exactly. live this way. We exactly. don't, we don't, we're not talking about the people who call themselves homosexuals. We're talking about the actions that you do when you try to excuse and say they are of God, too. I just can't believe right. that. They're trying to change, I'm not they're trying to change the church and change Christianity to fit the lifestyle. And the Bible is very clear in the New and Old Testaments on that. There's no right. getting around that. And I'm like, what are y'all and trying to do? Rewrite the Bible? Well, and yeah, they're trying to, to go ahead and do that. Yes. And that goes back I mean, to the moral perspective about what type of leadership we need as a president. I don't want a president that's going to say, oh, well, we got to force everybody to live and love, you know, man and woman, because not everybody's going to do that. But I definitely don't want a president to tell me that my position is uninvolved because of the Christian worldview that I hold Absolutely. about a certain lifestyle. And that's what I mean as far as having a moral, as far as the president having lacking moral character. And I, I don't know where we dropped the ball as conservatives. I assume we all are conservatives. But I do believe in in God. I do believe that we have a message that can be told, can be sold, and can be represented well to any community we go to. We just have to be clear and direct. This is what you're dealing with when you support Obama. Bottom line, right. use his words against them. Use his words, right. use his words in the community. And if somebody makes an excuse for those words, they're not of God. I'm sorry. Right. If you make no, you don't have to apologize. It, That's right. You're not, right. Not, you don't have to apologize. I'm sorry for sounding. I'm sorry for sounding stern about it, but I no, you're I'm not. Saying, no, no, Mel, Mel, Mel. Hey, it is what it is. Mel, quite you know, honestly, you don't have to like it. Quite, quite honestly, this, you're not being stern enough. Quite honestly, you're not being stern enough. <laughs> see the way I see the hey, way hey, I see hey, but, 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 he, but he hadn't he hadn't read some of my work apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, me, then you're right. I haven't read any of your work. I, know, too, right. so. let, let me, let me I mean, I, they had me doing cartwheels and start shouting around in my in my house by the time I'm done. <laughs> as, a matter, as a matter of fact, Mel, like where can we find your blogs? I don't think I've ever written any of uh, I mean read <laughs> any of your work. But where well, can we find I, your blogs? Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you. Well, you can you can Google me. I, I'm on several conservative blogs. I have been have been okay. on them. Uh, I was on I was a regular contributor on Hip Hop Republicans, but let me just tell you something real quick because I got to go. They actually discontinued having me on there because I actually had an issue about the whole urban conservative mantra. So when I brought that light, oh wow, oh so wow! When, so when, so they don't so when they don't like what you say, they try to remove some of your work. So, yeah. but you can you can just Google Melvin Whitlock and you'll find it. But also, I'm I'm Facebook friends with uh, with Pudgy. You guys can add me if you want to. I'll definitely okay. accept you on there. And I've had stuff up there. Uh, I use Facebook as a major social network anyway, just to get the uh, temperament of discussion going and seeing where That's we are. Cool. Are as conservatives and Christians. That's what it should be too. And uh, also, his blogs will be posted on. Let me do this promo. KRPRadioShow.com, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you'll find him on our Facebook page because he is a contributor, folks. And we don't sugarcoat it. It is what it is. You just 
have to not like I us. Almost feeling, I almost feel insulted. This man said I wasn't stern enough. Man, you really got to follow me on Facebook. <laughs> hey. Oh, oh, yeah. Because, hey. well, Talitha knows how I write because I'm a writer also. I, I have my own blog at watchmanscorner.com. And I... Yeah, and I, I, I come and she she can vouch for me. I come at the church really hard. Yeah. I hey, come at the church really hard. Here's my thing. Yes. Here's my thing for everybody though, as long as we're going as hard as we're criticizing, we're doing the proper thing. We're doing the right thing. Because it right. is important right. that we open the hearts and the eyes of all people, not only Christians but people out there who are non denominational and just don't believe. You know, we have to be the beacon right. of light for all people, and, and we have to walk the walk and talk the talk. Hey, Fudgy, I have right. to go, but just to touch off of what you just said, iron sharp as iron, brother. Let's keep the light on. God bless Without. you guys. Amen. Amen. Peace. Thanks, sir. That was Mel uh, Whitlock, also contributing on the KRP Radio Show blog on uh, Facebook.com backslash KRP Radio Show. You're on the bonus hour with the Disciple One, and uh, we're going to ask you – about your show, brother, because apparently you have a blog talk show as well. No, I right? just have a blog. I just have a blog. Oh, my blog oh, you have is a blog. Okay. Yeah, my blog is is known as WatchmansCorner.com, and it's okay. specifically it's specifically uh, geared and designed for those who have accepted the, Chris, the the Christian experience according to Romans chapter ten verse nine, and that are ready to take the rightful place spiritually and politically. I like that. And we're going right. to have to, you and I, we're going to have to talk about how dirty San Bernardino is in the valley over there because I hadn't seen it in San Bernardino. No, not San Bernardino, San Francisco. I, I, I hear you. That's part of the debate. All right, we, we, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> you live there, so you got more inside than I do, but it was pretty clean compared to NC and Detroit and well, New York. Well, San Bernardino was good. San Francisco, that's, that's a whole other issue. All right, well, I'll, yeah. I'll lay down on that. You're from there. That's your home. Um. To let the let the folks know, you know, before we close the bonus hour, let the folks know, you know, what you got going on, where they can find more about you guys, and I, and I promise to have you guys both on again and more regularly um, on this show as well because I, oh, I, I love, love the I love yeah, the conversation. Um, you can find me at canetv.com. Uh, uh, that's the main place you can find me, KiraDavis.net. Um, I have a, uh, another uh, conservative friend of mine, Walter Myers III, and I have a fan page called Conservative BFF. Yeah. I'm also, if you look up conservative black men or conservative black women, that reminds me, Pudgy, I'm, you need to be on the conservative black man page. Let's get it. To be, like, we need to get your bio and your, your, all your, your, your stuff on there. <laughs> but Cocaine TV and then Conservative BFFs on Facebook, I'm there. Um and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Great show. Really frank conversation. You know, keeping it real. Yeah. So. I enjoyed well, it too, Budgie. I, I thank I thank you very much, sir, for uh, for having me. I feel very I feel honored as being uh, part of your Absolutely. part of your guest. Um, I really appreciate what you do. Uh, I will definitely support you any way that I possibly can. Um, Absolutely. And and I would I just want a just I would. Yes, yes. We need definitely going to like, go I ahead. I need to get, get a T-shirt. I need to get a. I need to get a couple of those. I need to order one. Yeah, I need to order one of the, the T-shirts. I like that. Yeah. I really, I'm, I'm with it. You Send know, me your emails on Facebook, and I'll be sending you guys an order form. You know, I'm a conservative. We about getting paper and shows broke too. <laughs> hey, hey, 
I, I get you. I, I, hey, I feel you. I, I but I will that. have you on to promote, though. I will have you on this show, and I think it's more valuable having you on this show promoting to over 5 million people than giving you a T-shirt, personally. Oh, absolutely. I'm with so, you. Uh, I wish you guys I well. I love fathers, too. Thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. Shout out to Rashad Woods. That's my people. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Hey, man. It's a good great job, Rashad. Yeah. He's out there somewhere. I don't know if he's still listening anymore, but normally he listens to the show. So definitely <laughs> got to give him a shout-out, man. We're doing big things with that. Um, you know, you guys keep up, man. You're welcome to post on that blog. And, and the only thing we have going on on the I Love Being a Black Father page is, is just a Facebook page. And we leave okay. it like that right now because people can just access it very easily. It seems like everybody has a Facebook. So you can go in there and leave your inspiration and, and help some of these brothers out, help some of these sisters out, these families out, and uh, let people know that you're on the job, that we're on the job. So, you All know, right. we're not what they said we All were. Right. We're definitely on the job. I know we have some challenges, but we're going to work our way through those. Yes, we yes, will. Yes, sir. We will. So thank you guys for coming on the show. And uh, that's it, folks. The bonus hour is over. Thanks for listening to the KRP Radio Show. Every week for rocking with the same time, same place, KIRPRadioshow.com. You can also find us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. And that's where you can find Mel's blog. Also, Mel Whitlock, he also blogs on there pretty regularly. And he's going to piss some of you guys off. But, I mean, that's a given. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to lift on there. We'll get the Disciple one on there. And we'll get those guys to write on our blog as well. Because I love how they're talking. And I'm pretty sure they're going to piss you off as well. So, uh, <laughs> you can also check us out on Twitter. At Symbol KRP Radio Show. At Symbol NC Pudgy is me. Definitely got to give a B.I.G. shout out to our guests. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Next week, we will be back, baby, and we're going to do it again. So I just want to tell you guys to remember this. If you don't ever remember anything, I challenge you to engage with folks. When you walk past people, open your mouth, start saying hello, speak to them, you know, say something, man. We got to share some love out here. We got to we gotta be open and we got to be honest with folks. So I want you guys to speak to folks when you walk past them. And then you can get into engaging and changing the hearts and minds and souls of people after you first say hello. So I remember this. God is love. Love is God. And that's why we do it. Stay blessed. K-I-R-P Radio! Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real. Only gon' recognize, still, still. I reckon I will. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine, I get to shine. Now throw your hands.